Oh shit, I put it in airplane mode, okay. So, God is dead. He is? No, he Why is. Why did you say that? <laughs> he is. What about a bunch of people that had a birthday cake for God? And they're like, well, what the fuck do I do with this now? And it's infinity candles. Do you know how fucking badass Nietzsche felt? When he said that for the first time, where he was like, God is dead, when it meant something, like now you say it and people are like, whatever, who cares? Yeah, no shit. But like <laughs> back, <laughs> back then, it was like a fucking, it was like a nuclear bomb going off. The declaration, God is dead. Do you not understand? He's dead. When did Nietzsche write that? I don't know, man. I don't actually, I, you know, I have no idea. It must have been the 1900s or so. I don't know when he was Nietzsche was around. It's Nietzsche a great thing to... in, he's in my Carl Jung pile. Well, I'm always like, one day I'm gonna really get into his work. Oh man, he's a he's good because he gets into your fucking head, man. <gasps> because he like Carl Jung will get in your head, but it's more subtle. Whereas like Nietzsche, like you're reading. You ever read any Philip K. Dick? Yes. So you know how like you're getting on top of 1882. Wow. With Philip K. Dick. He was kind of crazy, but he was a genius. So when you read his his fiction, it's like you stop reading it and you feel a little crazy for a yeah. second. Because something about the way he's writing just isn't normal. There's something off, man. Nietzsche, it's the same way. It's like when you stop reading him, you're going to like spend the next few days like, fuck. Or like Burroughs. Yeah, same same thing. Yeah. Outsider artist, kind of. like. Yeah, I remember reading some of Burroughs stuff and thinking, like, I might get high just reading this. Yeah. You know? Like so, like Naked Lunch, that was him, right? Wasn't yeah. That? <laughs> yeah. Terrence McKenna, the same thing. I, oh, yeah. You just start tripping when you start reading his writing. Like, you just yeah. start tripping. Yeah. God, yeah. I wish I could write like that, man. You could. How dare you? Well, I mean, you would have to spend a lot of time writing. If that's you're all gonna, it is. Yeah. yeah. That's the only thing that's holding you back. Yeah. Is the amount of time that you would have to spend writing. But and I think you would, you would love it. You would enjoy it. You know, he saw McKenna had some fascinating books. Food of the Gods. Uh, he had some crazy fucking theories that he pitched that I've seen scientists, like, especially the doubling of the human brain size one. That was a really fascinating theory that he had. That he... He connected it. Um, see, I'm not sure if he was right in terms of the climatological data, but his contention, for those of you who are aware of it, was that monkeys had come down from the trees and they experimented with new food sources and they started flipping over cow patties to get the bugs because that's what they do. And along the line, they discovered psilocybin mushrooms. Yeah. And he thinks that the grasslands, um, the rainforest becoming grasslands, the changing climate led to these chimps, these monkeys, whatever our, our ancestors were, led to them becoming more experimental. And that, that it could be coincided with a bunch of different things that they know about mushrooms, or it could be uh, sort of confirmed with a bunch of different things. One, one with that mushrooms increase visual acuity. Yeah. And they've shown this like in actual, actual tests with real scientists who are experimenting with it. Who was uh, the guy? There was one German guy, a straight guy, too, that experimented with this. God damn it. I'm trying to remember his name, but he he had a really funny line. What do you mean, the straight guy? Straight guy meaning he wasn't a drug guy. He oh. wasn't a drug culture guy. I don't mean straight like homosexual, heterosexual. I mean, like, uh, he wasn't like Timothy Leary or McKenna right. or, you know, yeah. any of these guys are like clear proponents of psychedelics. He was just um, a researcher. 
and they had found out that in low doses of psilocybin, like say if you changed an angle, if you had two parallel lines and you made one, just varied it ever so slightly, with the psilocybin, they could tell when the angle was ever so slightly varied quicker than they could naturally. Yeah, I, I, I can remember. Yeah, it's uh, visual acuity in the, per, in the periphery, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like expanding your peripheral vision by a tiny, tiny little bit. Yeah, I don't even know if the test pertained to periphery only. It might have been peripherally as well, because I do remember that one specific task, that one specific thing where they were trying to figure out um, how quickly you could recognize when an angle's changed. And you could do it quicker when you were high. That's crazy. Yeah, so there's that, and then there's the horniness. Mushrooms are known to make people horny, so that happens. Yes, they are known for that. The creativity aspect of it, there's that, you know, like the the tapping into alternative ways of thinking, and that would lead to a lot of innovation. And and it's also possible that that it's really possible that psilocybin in some ways is a nutrient. I mean, it's also, it's an intoxicant for sure. It's an hallucinogenic, whatever that means. But it, it might be a nutrient, too. It's, it's entirely possible huh. that this increase in visual acuity and this, uh, this horniness that it gives you and this um, connection to nature and this uh, intense creativity, like you're tapping into a river of ideas and, like, scooping out buckets of them. Yeah. Like, all that might also, it, it almost, it might be something that when you're consuming, it's actually beneficial to the body or beneficial to your brain. But if it's having all those crazy positive effects on the brain, it might have like a beneficial long-term effect on the brain. And they've been doing these studies on neurons, on repairing neurons and psilocybin and psilocybin's role in repairing um, brain disease or yeah. brain, brain issues, brain trauma. might not have been neurons. So you can find that. Um, the most recent studies with uh, psilocybin uh, and brain damage. They think it might, in some ways, be able to repair brain damage. Well, if that's the case, what if these monkeys were just eating them all the time? Yeah. And their brains just grew. I mean, what if McKenna was right? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think it is pretty safe, a safe bet that uh, monkeys, or what? I mean, monkey isn't the right word. Proto hominids, right? Mm. Who are wandering the plains are gonna like. If we're omnivores, we're definitely gonna be eating whatever. Uh, whatever we can find that it gives us nutrition, that has nutritional value, especially if you're out in a hunt, you're hungry, the thing you're hunting, shitting, yeah. food is growing out of its shit. Yeah. Well, I don't even think they were sh- hunting then. I don't think they could hunt something that big. I don't think they had weapons. What do you mean? I think what they were doing was they were gathering, they were eating a lot of bugs, we were insectivores. I thought his eat- idea was that the there's climate change, mm-hmm. and so we start moving into the grasslands and then yeah we're hunting bovine animals we're like mm, so no, i don't think that was the contention that's I what think i thought the contention was. was flipping over um the cow patties i thought it was that because the thing that you're hunting is going to be shitting things that grow mushrooms no i don't think so i think it was way later when they started doing that um one of the things here's a uh, study that jamie pulled up it says psilocybin mushrooms stimulate the growth of brain cells. Psychedelic mushrooms have already had a reputation for helping people open their minds and broaden their perspectives in the world. Some have shown an ability to combat mental disorders like depression and anxiety, and now research is showing that magic mushrooms can actually help physically rebuild a damaged brain. Well, if that's the case, if it's a case that it can physically help rebuild a damaged brain, maybe over long-term consumption, it can actually make a brain grow. 
I think I'm, I'm almost positive that McKenna's idea was not that they were hunting these things, but they were flipping over cow patties looking for beetles and grubs Makes and sense. worms and stuff. Because sure. I think we're talking about like really small, ancient hominids. I don't right. think we really hunted until we figured out tools. Or, I mean, not like large scale, like large animal type hunting. So that was, that, I think that was way later than the human brain size growing. Like when they when they develop like the addle addle, you ever seen someone use that? No. It's the precursor to uh, the bow and arrow. Before the bow and arrow, they figured out a thing called an addle addle. Yeah. And it's crazy. It's uh, it's got a handle on it, and you put a spear in it, and you launch the spear with a handle, like almost like Weird. it's a crazy lacrosse ball. Yeah, that's yeah, crazy. See it there? That's wow. what it looks like. Um, there's guys that make them, and there's videos, Jamie. You can see a guy that made his own and used it. There's a bunch of them, actually. But, uh, you know, people take those things and they they throw them at targets. And they're not very accurate. I mean, they're okay accurate in comparison to, like, I guess if you were, you know, you weren't skilled and you tried to hit it with a rock. I mean, it's probably more accurate than that. And if you could sneak up on an animal, you could probably get some good penetration. They probably got really good at it eventually. But that was the first of uh, many weapons that could launch things through the air that they figured out. Have you seen that um, that weird ritual that chimpanzees are doing where they throw rocks at a tree? Have you mm -hmm. seen that? Yeah, what is that? Well, they don't know. It just is like it's the idea that like they're developing their own weird culture, their own superstition or some, something, that they just mm. feel like something they're doing something i mean we don't understand what it is but like it's a thing where you throwing rocks at trees and then there's all these rocks that are kind of like laying around certain trees because chimps have decided to just start lobbing rocks at them and they're saying is this like some emerging chimpanzee religion or culture like whoa yeah it's very weird man like what what do they do what well, are they doing? Why? Do you know that they have, it's sort of been agreed upon by uh, a lot of the people that study these animals, that they're entering into the Stone Age. Right. They're like, this is, this is the actual, like, when they're talking about chimpanzees and they're looking at their growth and their learning, they're thinking that they're in a new place now. Yeah. They're thinking they're starting to use tools, and they're starting to use stones, and other great apes are using tools as well. Like, we knew that they would get... Um, not we, like you and I are out there doing research. <laughs> As we predicted. As we predicted, Duncan. They, you know, we always knew they used sticks to get like termites and mm -hmm. stuff. But now um, they're figuring out a way to do all kinds of crazy shit. Have you ever seen the one orangutan that figured out how to spearfish? Yeah, I did see that, that shit. fucking picture of him hanging over the river with a spear it's in his crazy. hand. It's insane. What To me, what's really particularly interesting is that as as our society and our species is moving into some new era as we're moving into some god knows what the fuck it is these guys are too yeah it's they are like too. they're moving for them that what that state of the art that's some high that's fucking you're looking at goddamn uh elon musk right there that's the elon <laughs> musk of orangutans right there like what the fuck look at him it he's is. like fucking using that thing to get fish he's a genius that's a genius like in the same way that like we have people sending things to mars but yeah. it's funny that the two are coinciding like it's funny that it appears now i don't know how long this has been going on but it's like it seems like this uh, sort of trickle in of stories of monkeys suddenly doing doing things like this. It could be related to just more people researching and getting more data that's always been there. Who knows? But Is that a different one, Jamie, or the same chimp, the same orangutan, the same guy? 
Oh, there's a whole video of him doing it? Look oh, at that. shit. Funny orangutan fishing. Wow. Haha, ha, it's you... just funny. Your leap forward in evolutionary <laughs> history is funny to us, you, you, you hairy thing. So we're looking at him sitting there hanging on this rock, looking over at this little puddle that they have fish in. Yeah. It's obviously set up. So I think they probably like taught him how to do this. He's not fishing in the wild. He's like, it's almost like he's getting groceries. It seems like a very small little, uh, like a puddle of with fish in it, you know? Like they just taught him how to do it. They're kind of cheating. Yeah, that's cheating. The other orangutan was doing it, hanging over an, a flowing river. Like he was, he was really figuring it out as he was going along. Yeah, what's this, this guy doing? He's like fucking picking at ropes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a puddle, right? It seems like this is something like that they, zoo or something. Yeah, right. It seems like something they did for science. Yeah, like they figured out a way to teach him how to stab those fish. Like if you just teach him that that's where the fish are and you get it with a stick, that's not as impressive. That's like you could teach a dog to do that. Well, I mean, I think I've seen birds. I think it's birds that use that. There's some video of a bird like putting bait down and then catching something with it, like. Other creatures, you know, use bait to fish. Like, there are other species yeah. that do it. I've seen that, too. Yeah, I've seen birds do it. Um, don't uh, orcas do it, too? Haven't orcas done it? I don't know if they... I didn't know they use bait. Yeah. Why do I feel like orcas has do, have done it, too? Yeah, there you go. Look at that. Smart guy. Look at that. Yeah, it's really interesting, right? Yeah. He just sits there and waits. He waits for the fish to come near the bread. He's like baiting. Like, how did he figure it out? It's, did did he see something do it, or did he like innovate this himself? Who taught? Real, real good question. Who taught him that? And this isn't even like one of the most clever birds, right? Like ravens. Ravens are the most clever. Yeah. He's got to get his bread. It goes too far away. See, it gets away, and he's like, "Nah, bitch. Nobody rides for free. I'm bringing my bread back. <laughs> we keep it right there." His, right? They they tried to move away with it. Yeah. He got too far away. He's like, no, 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 bitch. <laughs> no, bitch. Stay right here. Have you, you've seen, I'm sure, that. Look, oh, look at that. Just snatched that fish. Fuck. That fish is like, what in the fuck just happened? The thing about <laughs> it is, it snatched it up. And here's the thing that bird is not that much bigger than that fish. Right. And it did it like it was nothing. That's how creepy birds are. Look, he snacked them and just walked away with it like, no big deal. It's like you having. Like a small puppy in your hands. That's how he walked away with it. I mean, bigger than a puppy. Like, that thing's bigger than his head. That's that's like a full-size dog. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I'm saying, like, the way he held it was the way you would oh, hold yeah. a puppy. Oh, right. Like, you'd have no problem walking with Very a puppy. Very light. But that thing is, you know, probably 25% of its body weight. Like, he's mostly feathers, right? <laughs> Take away all of his feathers. That fish might be, at at the very least, might be like, you know... 15% of its body weight. Yeah, have you ever heard the idea of like, uh, you know, like we smack a, uh, an ant or something, you smash an ant, and mm -hmm. that ant has no no idea. what. There's no way that ant could possibly comprehend what has happened to it. Like when, or when that, you know, you have a line of ants going into your sink or whatever. Right. That line of ants, they can't comprehend what you are. Like you walk by the line of ants, they have some instinct maybe to run away from you. A lot of times they don't even run away from you. You turn the sink on, kill like 30 of them in a second, but they don't, they can't, they're, they're, they, whatever way they use to think, they can't process it, right? So death to that ant 
it, it's going to be processing its extinction in some way that we can't even understand, right? So there's this idea, my friend was telling me that in the same way when a human dies, what we process is like, oh yeah, he got in a car accident, man. What really happened was some kind of like hyperdimensional event that we can only see one tiny piece of that looks like a car accident. In our the way our minds process the thing being wiped off the face of this dimension is by like oh car wreck car wreck. But really there's like all these other levels involved. So it's like maybe some hyperdimensional entity just squashed your friend and the way mm. it manifested is like oh a car wreck. It was a car wreck. But really, no, that's just the way our brains process that event from where we're at currently in the uh, in our ability to like comprehend reality. People who listen to this going, does that mean I can text and drive? <laughs> Texting and driving is easy. It's fine. No, that's that's the, what they when they see you doing that, they smash you. Hmm. You know, maybe it's just an accident. What? Maybe death? No, maybe the accidents are just accidents. Maybe it's not a hyperdimensional being putting ah, a squish down on you. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like things are they're not like that, man. Uh, but we don't. I mean, really, we uh, we don't know. we don't we don't know. But that yeah. the, the same way these chimps are like doing these things that to us seem like pretty cute, really, right. like like cute. Right. In the same way, like you know, there is this idea that we're going to sort of. God, I wish I could remember who explained this. It's like, okay, human existence up until the point of flight was was completely based on like getting, like you would climb a mountain and then you could see the ground like you're from an airplane. But that's pretty much it. Climb up a tree, I guess. You get some altitude. You can see this whole new perspective on what things look like from a high place. But you certainly couldn't get the perspective of flying through the air and looking down at all this stuff that formerly in front of you is like looming over you. It's like when I, uh, you know, I have two little dogs, adorable, adorable little babies, but you pick them up and like for you, it's no big deal. But for that dog, it's seeing what's on top of the fucking counters, man. It's like, doesn't see that. Usually it's looking up at everything. So it transforms its reality a little bit. So mm. flight transformed human reality in this intense way. And now the satellites floating around our planet have transformed it even more. Because we see, oh shit, yeah, we're on a planet. We're like, it's a ball that we're floating around, or a flat Earth, or whatever. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but the uh, so in the same way, the next, the next sort of liftoff is to somehow rise above the time-space continuum, so that time itself becomes an object instead of a thing that we're stuck inside of. That's like the next big liftoff, and that there are already things that are see time as an object instead of as a river that we're currently being rolled around in. And for them, we look totally different. So that's like the next, that's what like maybe McKenna was talking about with the idea of the time machine or the singularity or whatever, is that like once we figure that out, I know there's never going to be a fucking time machine. I know it's insane, but the theoretically it's possible. You know, people do say it. It, it could be possible. Like there's no necessarily there is no reason for us to be stuck in the current way that we are. Didn't, At least that's from the fucking uh, documentary I saw when I was super stoned four years ago. Like they were saying you could use like star, the power of a star or something to. Yeah. I'm trying to remember who what German mathematician it was like a German mathematician that theorized about the 
the time machine that a time machine would have to be i want to say the machine would have to be like as big as a solar system right and have to be spinning at the speed of light and you transverse this axis yeah, or something like that's that. that's it yeah something like that insane but it's like it's not i mean obviously for where we're at right now this isn't a feasible option right but if it's possible and we exist in an infinite universe, then why wouldn't things have potentially figured out a way to to get beyond the time-space continuum? So, like, you know, we're looking for aliens inside of time and space, or you know, but maybe there's, like, the thing we should be, that we're looking for, we don't even have the technology to scan outside of past, present, and future, because that's what we're in right now. These things are, like, way outside of our understanding of what... Um, of what this even is. We can't even fucking see them. Like the ants can't see us. Like we can't even see yeah. them. We couldn't talk to them. An ant can't talk to you. You know, I saved a bee from my swimming pool and I swear to God, it seemed like it was thanking me. Like I, I pulled it How out. How high of, were you? On what? a one to 10. How, when am I not hot? <laughs> is the question. But I pulled the, I pulled the, uh, I pulled the bumblebee out and I put it down. I was like watching it. It's really cool. You know, it's like, it like dried itself off. It went through this whole thing. It's like watching a dog dry itself off. And then I, oh. and then it did this like cool little, like, I swear it was like a little dance in front of me, like this weird little cool little bobbing dance thing and then flew away. I'm like, did that fucking bee just like thank me? Or like, was that like some form of attempting to communicate with me? I mean, bees certainly communicate with each other. Yeah. There is communication among insects and I don't know if they're aware that we exist, but if they talk to each other, isn't it possible they might try to talk to us? Did I ever tell you about the uh, the time on Fear Factor where the bees communicated with local bees? Did I tell you that? No. Time? I didn't tell you that? No. This is a fascinating uh, moment because there was a guy who was a beekeeper. And what he was doing is he was, uh, it was at the Sagebrush, Sagebrush Ranch? No. I forget the name of the ranch, but it just burnt down in Santa Clarita. It's this big ranch. They used to film TV shows out there. Um, they put these people they put them uh, they attached them to like this uh this rope and then uh they made them stand like connected to this pole and they covered them with bees like covered them Ugh. from head to toe with bees and they had to stand there for a certain amount of time and some people didn't get stung at all it's really interesting like this guy really knew some people got stung i got stung just for being around them but this guy really knew how to take care of these bees. He's really like I was covered in bees at one point in time, and you just stay calm, and he eventually blows them off you with smoke and yeah. shit. Anyway, while they're doing this, he's got his own. He's a beekeeper, so he's got his own hive. This local group of bees came over, and they met in the sky above us. And all of his bees went up to talk to all those bees, wow. and he said, "We got to get out of here." We have to stand back and let them work this out. We have to stop filming. We stand back and let this work, us work this out. So it was me and uh, my friend David Hurwitz, who was uh, the producer of the show. We were looking at each other like, they're going to talk it out? Like, what the yeah. fuck? And we're sitting there watching these bees above us just yeah. getting together. And they were literally trying to sort out who these new bees were, what their plans How'd were. How'd you get on Fear Factor, man? <laughs> Can you get me on that show? <laughs> Wait, what? Did you was this SAG? Are yeah. you in SAG? Or do you, that's crazy, dude. That's crazy. Yeah, it was really interesting. And it lasted for about a half an hour, if I remember correctly. They talked it out for half an hour, and then the other bees went their separate way. And then everybody figured out, everybody knew where everybody belonged. Right. Like those tiny little itsy-bitsy pinhead brains had decided these are not their friends. These are their friends. Yes. This is where they belong. They're yeah. in this traveling hive yeah. that for some reason is in the middle of Santa Clarita right now. Yeah. 
It's nuts. I mean, all the levels of communication happening around us at any given moment are, it's astounding. We can't deal with it. Like, it's just too much to handle. So we sort of get focused on our own little lives as human beings or whatever. But fuck, man, there's a lot more going on. I mean, just that. Yeah. You know, that if that's happening with bees... There's then it's probably happening with everything. And so then we're in this like and we talk about this a lot, but that means we really are in a matrix of intelligence. And we've just decided to focus on this one the way that we're doing it right now, you know, which is a pretty uh, it's sad in a weird way because we do you do cut out you cut yourself out of a whole other uh community that's one of the things i like about like the native american mythology is that they uh you know it seems like they had less of a distinction between humans and animals it was like these are our brothers too i'm I'm confused what you're saying by you're cutting yourself out of a community like what do you mean so it's like okay like let's just take it from the human level okay you a lot of people they don't even mean to be but they're snobs right so they'll see human snobs human snobs right so a human snob is exclusive, right? So they have this exclusive relationship with the world where they allow into their periphery or in their their circle of friends. I'm letting you mm. into my circle of friends. Mm. So they'll have this like tight circle of friends and then other people based on whatever their particular metric is for determining who they want around them. You know, shit snobs are the ones who, are, who happen, you know, those people who happen to only be friends with successful people it's like they're only friends with like like celebrities and they're mm. only fr- like weird that a weird coincidence how did that happen <laughs> holy shit i don't understand how that happened you know so there's that which is like for them they want to interact into in this particular like part of the societal ecosystem which means they're excluding 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 all these other fucking people right right and so the moment you stop you're you start experimenting with not excluding people as much as you can this doesn't mean you let annoying people around or people who have their don't have your your the good intentions with you around or whatever you sound like you're giving advice to stuck up hollywood elites no i'm giving advice well, <laughs> <laughs> just not it's not just in hollywood it's, it's like it's a it, the elites in general there's actually some book i heard about i didn't read it it's a really cool idea though which is like the galapagos islands here we have these beings that have evolved in a certain way because they're completely separated from everything else and it's fascinating to see so in the same way there's a kind of economic Galapagos that happens with wealthy people, which is that they only get around each other, and so they start mating within their own circles, and they Mm. start exchanging only information that wealthy people have, and so this creates a kind of hybrid, a a weird new form of human being, which is the elite wealthy class. Not a new idea. The kings and queens would only, like, fuck within bloodlines and stuff. It was an intentional form of, like, wealth eugenics or something. But so... uh, but anyway, what ends up happening when you're doing that is uh, you end up cutting off all these other forms of information that come in. And then also you start living according to a pretty ridiculous fucking idea, which is that all these other people, whatever they're doing, whoever they are, whatever it is, you know, that's just not really worth it. Like, what does that person really have to tell me that I need to hear, you know? Is that what it is? Or is it that they feel like they can get along with those other people because the other people are going to understand them? Because people do find like-minded groups of people and hang out together. And if you're like some super wealthy Rothschild guy yeah. and you become friends with some weirdo painter dude, 
I mean, how much do you guys have in common? It does. You, know? you have so much in common. Oh, so much. Do you in really? Co- Fuck yeah, you do, man. You have the human condition. Mm. You have the fu- gravity. You're both dealing with a gravitational field. You're both in a fucking body that's goddamn melting down with the progression of time. You're uh, you're probably gonna have to. Both of you are gonna have to bury your mom. You're gonna have to bury your dad. You're both. There's so many. Sure. There's things. a lot of things you have in common, but yeah. they would have to completely open their mind up to accept all these things. That's and it. So you have to change the way a person thinks. And you have to change, in an essence, who they are, right? And some people just don't have any desire to do that. Well, there's the problem. And what's even worse is when that is uh, when that kind of idea is the that is like encouraged. When that's like looked at as like, oh, this is just a totally normal way to be. Yeah, country just, club. Up. Town girl, she's na, been living na, na, in an uptown world. I bet she never <laughs> yeah. had a backstreet girl. Yeah, that shit, man. It's yeah. like, it's like, so that exclusivity, even uh, from a human perspective, cuts you off to all these, a lot of data. Admittedly, some of that data is probably going to suck, but a lot of the data is going to be really fucking good information that can make your life better. Stuff's going to come to you that you would never expect when you stop being, uh, uh, when you reduce your exclusivity. So in that same way, humans as a species are exclusive, right? We are, we place ourselves as the top of the food chain human beings and underneath us is all this all the, this incredible biomass filled with all these other forms of life that we have managed many people have managed to reduce to being some kind of meat machines or vegetable or vegetable exactly or that's, plant life that's or it. whatever it is it's all life it's all life and 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 anytime you start talking about like i i'm not positive about this but I feel like I can communicate with this plant in some way. Like when I'm watering my plants, I swear to God, man, yeah. some little piece of me is like, I think they know I'm watering them. Like yeah. I think there's an awareness here. I don't know if it's real either, but it does feel interesting. Yeah. I've been in grow rooms before. There you go. And grow rooms are like, it's like you walked into a, a, a room full of happy aliens. Yeah. It's really what it's like. That's it's like, it. like, hi, like, yeah. hey, how you guys doing? Yeah. Like, it really feels like you're saying hi to all these plants. That's it, man. It might be 100% bullshit. It might be Probably. 100% in my imagination. Yeah. I might have concocted it out of thin air. But going back to what you were saying earlier about ants and the system that ants live under in bees, how these bees can communicate with each other through pheromones and some other way. I mean, I don't know exactly how they're sorting out who's who and which... Yeah. Which clan belongs in what part of the woods or, you know, who the fuck knows. But the thing that we know about human beings is that there are signals that are around us constantly that we can't detect. Right. Like Wi-Fi and radio and yeah. television and satellite. All that stuff is broadcasting around us, through the air around us constantly, and we can't detect it. Right. And we also know that all throughout nature, there's animals that are blind, there's animals that can't see, there's worms, there's all sorts of things that have no idea you're there, no idea that you're watching television, and there's no no idea that you're about to get in your car. They don't even know what the fuck a car is, because yeah. they don't have the senses to detect it. Yeah. Why would we assume that we hit the fucking bonanza with the senses, and we've got it all down? I don't it's know. It's ridiculous, right? It's ridiculous. There's probably... like. I mean, I don't know what those quantum physicist guys are up to. I think, didn't they say they, was, they were up to, like, they believe there's more than 30 different dimensions now? Yeah. They used to think it was 11, and now there's some schools of thought that it's, like, 30 dimensions. Yeah. Who the fuck knows? It could be infinite. But the point is, the, these could be worlds right. that are in our 
in our midst. Yeah. They're just in a non-physical sense. That's the it. same way ideas are non-physical, the same way imagination is non-physical, yeah, right. the same way like, you know, cer- certain forms of communication, you're just saying something to someone, right? I'm yeah. looking at you, I'm telling you I love you and you're my friend. Yeah. It's a non-physical thing, right. but it gives you a physical reaction like, "Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. I love you too. I'm yeah. glad we're friends." That that's some sort of weird non-physical energy exchange. That's right. It's not just as simple as you know, oh, two people showing affection for each other, two friends no showing each other love. No, there's something else going on too. That's it. Yeah, there's a there's an energy exchange. There's both people get happy. When I tell someone I love them, I get happy too. Yeah, they get happy. The whole everybody boosts up. It's like a very underrated thing telling your friends telling that you someone, love them. Yeah. Oh, it's shocking. Like when you're not even yeah. supposed to do it. But like again, because we live. This is. I mean, so much of what we live in is like very advanced, but so much of it is like ridiculously barbaric and primitive. Oh yeah. That to tell your friend you love them can be a shocking moment. Ari Shafir still stammers. It's so weird. It's I go, so all weird. right, I love you, dude. He goes, yeah, I love you, too. Gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Joey Diaz, you know I love you, dog. You know I love you. Yeah. Joey's like the most loving guy of all time. Eddie Bravo's a very loving guy. Well, you He's, know. You know, we know a lot of loving people. Schaub's well, loving. I think we are love. And and the, the thing that I've been thinking lately or just playing around this idea is like, what if... Uh, I have all these different versions of it, and I don't quite know the right way to get it out. But, like, so imagine, like, directly behind you is a window that opens up into a universe where everything's made of love, right? And you're standing in front of the window blocking that light, right? You're standing in front of the window. And so, like, the human condition... Again, this is just a thought experiment and admittedly a very high thought experiment that I had, but I can't get it out of my head. So, and I've heard Ramdas give different versions of this too. But the so the idea is like here's this window opening up into this alternate, I don't even want to call it an alternate universe, the actual universe. I guess it's kind of like Plato's allegory of the cave too, but you're standing in front of this fucking window blocking the love. Your ego is, right? Your ego is. And so the more opaque your ego becomes the more you allow yourself to become less and less of a thing stuck to anything at all the more the light from that universe shines into this one right so when you're with someone who's like i love you i really love you they've gotten over their ego enough to let the light from that window they've kind of like managed to let that light shine through them for a second into this dimension which is why it's so shocking and like maybe why babies are so entrancing because there's there's no ego there they're just a pure blast of love or dogs in the same way or cats or like anything that loves you is so incredible because what they actually are are like windows or portals into the reality of what our universe is which is love and so if you're blocking the window then that means that like you're mostly living in a world of shadows like a person who's like very egotistical is like living in a shadowy world dude you spent way too much time at burning man (laughs) you fried your brain i didn't spend enough time you fried fried your brain (laughs) you're talking windows and love letting things through let it in man let love it let it in when are you starting your cult can i join i want to join yours can we join each other's (laughs) 
I, I mean, was just thinking when you were talking about dimensions, like, is that an egotistical point of view that we have, that there's, like, a, a portal to another dimension? And is it really just that these dimensions are constantly around us, we just don't have the ability to access them? Like, they're there all the time. Yeah. Maybe that's, like, legitimately why no one, like, the Fermi paradox, you know the Fermi yes. paradox? Which is, um, if there's so many stars and so many planets, where are there all the aliens? Where's right. the fucking aliens? Um Maybe they don't. Maybe they get so smart that they never do that. Like maybe no one does that. Maybe we're we're like in this rudimentary thing. Like these stupid fucks are still they're still making metal dicks and trying to fuck the sky. Yeah. They're shooting rockets up into space. Yeah. And they're landing people on this. They're still doing it that way. Like they they lack the ability to transcend space and time and to just pass That's through other. It. Through other dimensions. It's like as a species, we're like a crazy person in a bus station staring at its at his hand and being like, where are the aliens? I don't see the aliens in my hand. When it's like all he has to do is look up and he's surrounded by it. And, well, and you know the ultimate mind fuck when it comes to the time travel, right? No. The ultimate mind fuck when it comes to time travel is that one day they are going to have a time machine. And it's probably likely. It might take 100,000 years. Yeah, right. Who knows? How long? Think about when was the first tool? Like, what was it a couple hundred thousand years ago? Or, that they, I don't know. I think it was. I think the first tools were somewhere around. Anyway. I have to look at my calendar. I'm not sure. <laughs> so from the first tool to now, a couple hundred thousand years, I think. Yeah. From now to a time machine, if we stay alive, if we don't blow ourselves up, we don't get hit by an asteroid, if we keep improving, yeah. they're going to figure it out. And the day they figure it out, what becomes crazy is then all time travel from any point in the future to that moment is yeah. possible and to any place else on the scale. See, the idea is that you can only travel where there's a road. So once the time machine is invented, yeah. time ceases to be linear and everything happens all at once. Right. Like, literally, anyone can come back to any point in time and go back and forth. You could smack someone, and then you go back in time before you smack them and kiss them, and then go back in time and smack them, and then go back in time and kiss them. <laughs> you could pull their pants down. You could pull yeah. their pants up. You yeah. could do whatever the fuck you... I mean, you literally could go back and forth in time, and it would have never happened. Right. And you'd be communicating with the same person once it happens. So once it does happen and people have access to it... Which that access, like everything else, whether it's cell phones or automobiles or anything, the access, the access starts in a limited way where very few people can afford it, and then it becomes worldwide. Did we talk about directed panspermia already as related to time travel? No, I don't think so. So it's like the idea... Directed panspermia, I mean intentional. Like, yeah, like it's, that, a, uh, it's a tricky... Like movie, Prometheus? Yeah, yeah, it's like, exactly. So the idea is like, okay... Uh, uh, I so I know this idea. We well, need the road to travel, so we need to build the road. So what's the so? Let's say I do invent the technology for a time machine, which basically means I have point A. Now I need a point B, right? So the point B, uh, I've got to get the I've got to get a, the further out the point B is. I guess the more the the more the, the more powerful the time machine would be, right? So. Right. This is the idea of directed panspermia as a means of uh, time travel is assuming you are the super advanced species, then what you do is you create these genetic, these, these like you, you create like DNA, you create a kind of 
packaged thing that when it lands in the right environment that you could live in has the tendency to evolve into a technological civilization that will build a time machine that is actually point B for your time machine. So you release from your planet just infinite blasts of this uh, DNA. And you know that when it lands on the right and then the seed finds the right soil, it's going to grow into a technological tree that at the end of its growth is going to flower with your point B, the end of your time machine. So if you were this kind of interstellar traveler, then for you, you would send these seeds out into time. And then the moment a time that they've got to the point where they built a time machine, for you, it would seem like it happened instantly. There's your point B. You don't know what it's going to lead to, but uh, you know it's going to be a, at least a habitable planet because you've developed this, uh, these, these uh, genetic machines to only take root in a planet that you could live on. So what we are are these genetic robots that are compelled to build technology because we're opening up the point B in some kind of interstellar time machine. And that's what the singularity is. It's when our creator masters come through the time portal that we've opened up on this planet and say, oh, hi, you did it. <laughs> that, Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. It, was, it seems like it works. It seems so science fiction-y, though, that if we really got to a point, like imagine if our civilization had gotten to a point where we could transcend space and time and travel through the universe and, you know, and go to any place at any point in time and even drop the seeds of life on a planet and sort yeah. of what is that that term that they were going to use on mars where they they uh what is it called what's the term when you take a terraforming? Planet you, terraforming yes thank you and that they had done this like and then they're going to come back like the silver surfer and fucking like what? i don't think so i think we're them i think we are them I don't think there's anything else. This is what I think. And I think this is a ridiculous way to look at it, too, because uh, I don't know, and I'm talking shit. Sure, but, me too. But I think it is entirely possible that we're number one, meaning that we're the first. We're the first? We, we're the first of all these things to achieve this state. And that when these things achieve this state, they, they either blow themselves up or they keep going and they become more and more advanced. But I don't think it happens very often. And I might be wrong. I might be totally wrong. But it hasn't happened anywhere near us. So let's pretend that the galaxy that we look at right now that we can see, let's, let's pretend that's the universe. What if we find out that out of this galaxy of hundreds of millions of stars, we're the only intelligent life? Yeah. That drastically narrows the possibility for intelligent life everywhere else in the universe, except for the fact that the universe is infinite. Which means right. that not only is there intelligent life somewhere in the universe, there's a Duncan Trussell somewhere in the universe. Not only is there a Duncan Trussell, but there's a Duncan Trussell that said everything that you said in the exact same order. With every pause, every time you dribble piss on your toilet seat and you go, I'll take care of that later. Yeah. And you shut the lid, it did that to the exact T an infinite number of times throughout yes. space and time. Right. So like, not only is there one of you, but there's an infinite number of yous and then an infinite number of possibilities left and right that you could have gone right different paths you could sure. have taken like that's how big the universe is right. that's how big infinity is right but that doesn't mean that anything's ever gotten smarter than this this is the only thing that we know that's gotten this smart right and it might be this is the only thing that's got this smart because something had to be the first thing that got this smart right. it didn't have unless it happened simultaneously like we're saying 
then it happened with a bunch of things. But let's call that thing the same thing in different places. It's not like there's a gray alien with big black eyes and a giant head and a little skinny neck that reads your mind and flies through magnetic yeah. fields, right? We're not talking about that. We're talking about you and I, this thing. This thing might exist an infinite number of times all throughout space right. and time, but let's call it this one thing. Right. This one thing, this might be the first time anything has gotten as advanced as this one thing. So it's like the term the simulationists are using is base reality, like this is base reality. Yeah. And the, the statistical probability of this being base reality is somehow, uh, it's more probable this isn't base reality. But yeah, it, it is a probability that this is base reality. And there's also a probability that this isn't base reality. Like, we, you know, you get to roll the dice on that one. I, I, like... I, who knows? I, who knows? I mean, it's impossible to to really like at this point. We can't prove that this isn't the default base reality that the entire universe is experiencing. But my guess would be that no way, man. This is like a. I think it's more realistic that we're in a fucking. A, like a, a novelty farm, like some kind of technological novelty farm. Like it's, we're in like a, I mean, to use human terms, we're like, a, I mean, if you could simulate a universe and then create intelligent anything, sentient intelligent beings, or particularly sentient intelligent beings that matched you, your species, duplicate yourself even, and then run that duplication an infinite number of times in this server mechanism or whatever you have in your supercomputer, and then, like, you know, you just set time to loop uh, and it, it, it'll, as fast a rate as your uh, computer would let you. So at night, you just, like, you let it run. In the morning, you wake up, and it's like, oh, fuck, look, Hemingway, huh? That's interesting. The entire works of Hemingway just got generated in my universe simulator by one of the simulated creatures that I had in there. I mean, it's a very prosperous job. You'd be like a novelty farmer or something. In the same way they've got those fucking Bitcoin things that are, like, <laughs> constantly grinding to, like, make Bitcoins. You're fucking making universes, and inside the universes, the universes are making planets, and the planets are making technology, and the technology is being... Uh, uh, every single whatever your morning happens to be, whenever you wake up, you're like, oh, cool, we've got, whoa, that's interesting. That's a new form of teleportation. I haven't seen that before. It's a way to, like, harvest information from a kind of living AI or something mm. like that. You know, it seems like it'd be a very, a really smart way to kind of, like, gather data or to create not novelty events. I mean, just for the pure entertainment of it. Like, if you had a way to, like, access, like, five like for you it's like you know right right now we download a movie it takes like two minutes five minutes what depending on your connection in the same way like you wait five minutes and a universe is born and dies and throughout that it can pick out an interesting moments like look at this oh look here's that moment where in that planet uh the world war three started because fucking russia wanted to like secure syria and we didn't want it to happen wow look at the disaster well we already have examples of this in a rudimentary form and all these l new universes that are being created in these online games that people exactly, are playing. exactly yeah if pe what are those games jamie what are the, what are those games called do you know the name of those games where they create different worlds like oh yeah, it's called procedural generation. You're talking about the No Man's Sky, the game that everyone got angry about. Why'd they get angry about it? Well, they got angry about it because the the summation of the anger is just because something is gigantic doesn't mean it's entertaining, right? Oh. And so you end up getting in this kind of like feedback loop because if you're going to procedurally generate an infinite uh, 
or a semi-infinite universe with all these different planets and stuff, then that means you need an AI that you can procedurally generate that's also going to procedurally generate, you know, what we consider to be a game. Like, you know... Interesting storylines, yeah, fun things to do. Yeah. It's just, you're just creating things, right? That, right. Well, that's one part. The other part that people got mad about is the, apparently, not even apparently, you can see, like, people got so mad. God... May you never piss off the gaming community. That's like, <laughs> just like, don't fuck with them, man. Because they swarm, man, and it's vicious oh, yeah. and brutal. Like, I was playing the game and really enjoying it for like at least a week and a half, two weeks. And I would go on like Reddit, No Man's Sky, and read the comments. And I'd be like, God, you guys are fucking dicks. This game's super fun. I'm on the best fucking time of my life. I'm never going to play this again. <laughs> like, they talked we, you out of it? No. I No. In the game, it just suddenly, it's like, wait. It got boring? It got boring. And it got, oh. you know, for me, it got boring. For other people, I know some people who still But you were saying it. you guys are dicks. Because like when, when I like, was enjoying it, reading their critique. Right, I get it. But really, it was like reading the critique of gourmet chefs far more familiar with like where gaming is at. You know, mm -hmm. these are people who play games all the time and know right. it and like have very high expectations. But anyway, the point is, yes, it procedurally generates this incredible universe but it ends up getting kind of boring or something like that but yeah procedurally generate like we are in a procedurally generated universe that is producing novelty events which may be in the universe that we are being procedurally generated out of as a form of currency or a form of entertainment or a form of something we don't even understand yet but uh, what could all I know is if I if there was a game called universe creator Run your computer and your universe will at some point generate sentient life that at some point will start generating technology that at some point you'll be able to like watch and possibly use in your own dimension. Then I would be running that. If I was a company, I would definitely be running that software for sure. I would want that to exist just for uh pure capitalism what's better than like having a never-ending stream of inventions coming from your universe simulator that you could then market in this dimension i think there's something weird that we do too where we look at things that we can generate with a computer versus things that sort of exist in the real world and we look at them as coming from different sources something that man makes versus something that just happens yeah and because of we look at it from different sources i don't think we recognize that it's kind of the same thing like there's a long process from a star exploding to a human being being born but they're all connected right that star exploding is necessary for the development of of the carbon-based life form on the earth right right so this, the elements that make us, they ha a star had to blow up. Like there's this long, yeah. but we don't think of that as like being made because it takes too long. We decide we're going to call it evolution yes. or natural selection. Yes. Or, and, but by defining any of these things in that way, we've, we've failed to look at the thing for what the thing is. What the thing is, forget about whether evolution's real or creationism is real. That's nonsense. That doesn't mean anything. Like, whatever is doing it, it's doing it. Yeah. And it's doing it from a star blowing up to a person talking about a star blowing up to his friend. Yeah. Like, right now. Yeah, that's right. This this is all made. Like, whatever you've made has been made by this process. Right. Any great painter, any architect right. who's built the most incredible buildings, you were made 
This whole yeah. thing is made. Right. And you're making things too, but the, those things aren't any more significant than trees. Than all this, the whole thing is nuts. Yeah. The whole thing is somehow or another getting more and more complex, more and more involved, more and more aware, faster information sharing between the things that make yeah. the things, yeah. and making more and crazier and better things. Yeah. But all of these things made by a star explosion. Right. Yeah, I guess like if you want to get like technical, the so when you say made, yeah, uh, what it, starts it? It implies okay, right? So you, I mean, it's a, I look you, a process. You know right? me, man. I think this. I think we're probably like we're. I really do think that whatever this is is like. Uh, is literally made in the sense of like a maker. Like it was. You really think there's a maker? Like I a, think an, it was an individual. What an individual. I don't think it's an individual, but I, and I don't think it's like some a force. I think it's the uh, yeah, create something that's very creative, and I think that it's or, or that it's a source of creativity, and uh, I think that it's uh, you know I, I mean I'm a f fuck it I, I'll say it. I, I'm a theist man like I pray I I, I, I how dare you <laughs> I'm sorry how dude. dare you I love we'll be right it, back. Dude. I know. No. We're gonna press pause. Just sounds of you punching me. I wake up, Duncan. I fucking look. I I just love to pray and like when my life gets better when I pray and like I just love it. But it, it's it's made. I mean, I fucking I, you know me. I don't have to. Ever, people who I, listen. No, to this, I know you too. So I, so I enjoy. So when I so when you say, well, what is it? An individual. I think it's like there's lots of different ways of saying it, and every single way of saying it falls short of what it is. Now there's a. I keep telling you about this guy, man. One day, I hope you pick him up. There's a, a Buddhist teacher named Chogyam Trumpa who says, so I'll like get in an argument with Chogyam Trumpa. Like if he t heard me spew that bullshit, what he would say is, wait. So when I ask you, is it an individual? Is it a thing? Is it a person? And you say, I don't know, man. There's no words for it. Then at that moment, what you've done is you've taken your confusion and you've put it on an altar and you started worshiping it as though it were your God. Your ability to not articulate the thing is not an indication of the existence of a thing, but is more the indication of your laziness because you want to like deify your uh, confused, passionate emptiness. It's something like that. There's mm -hmm. a great Ford in one of his books that is. That's a great quote. Echoed through my fucking head <laughs> ever since confused, I read it. Confused, passionate emptiness. Yeah, exactly. You're, That's like a. Courtney Love song. Yeah, 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 yeah. Confused, passionate emptiness. But uh, so that being said, I still uh, uh, the the. I think you should do experiments in reaching out to the transcendent as though it were possibly an embodied thing that was a lot smarter than you. And if the result of the experiments is nothing, if you just feel embarrassed or dumb or you're like, why the fuck am I praying? Why you lose did, nothing. Then who cares? You yeah. lose nothing. But if the result of the experiment is even as a placebo effect, you begin to experience a shift in your subjective reality, then I think it's worth continuing those experiments and seeing like how it unfolds. Well, let's take away that definition, um, the placebo effect. Because if you have in some way decided to meditate towards um, towards the objective of communicating with the great love that runs the universe. Yeah. And somehow or another that benefits you. That's not a placebo effect. Right. That's, that's a shift in your consciousness, whether or not 
it's validated by the existence of that thing yeah doesn't matter it's still a shift in your consciousness through what appears to be a decision appears to be a decision that you've made to gravitate towards god yeah or gravitate towards love yeah you know I've always had the problem whenever people talk about intelligent design or a thing or a deity, and this is my own problem, I uh, automatically think of instead of the universe, like say there's the universe and then there's this thing over here, like right next to the universe. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm just going to sit here and make the universe. It's yeah. a stupid way that I look at it. It's right. completely my own, like you can grow up or you can just sort of form these ideas in your head about what a deity is and then those ideas can be little prisons yeah when you try to define the universe right so my defining the universe as the universe being this thing that this thing's created and it's sitting over here in this other thing like is it in the universe does it does it build it from the universe <laughs> right like where is it is it next door is it a condo next to the universe <laughs> like what does it have like how is is it a part of the universe is it yeah. Or is it that the idea of an individual is the wrong way to look at it? That if you look at all the life on Earth, right? Yeah. It seems that there's a lot of things in nature that are fractal, right? It sure. seems to exist pretty much everywhere you look. Yeah. And when they start looking at subatomic particles, and you realize how deep they can go and how small they can measure things. And then you look at the size of the universe itself. You look at the size of galaxies and black holes and just the vastness of space and the, the ability to measure I think they measure 13 point something billion light years yeah. since the big bang all that madness all that craziness that they're 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 trying to uh, I think by looking all that at all that stuff by looking at the the vastness of all this we we define it in this way where there's a, a Duncan over here and there's an ant over there and there's a, a you know another animal over here but inside of all of us are a bunch of different animals that yeah. are all little tiny ecosystems right? right like inside every person there's not a single individual life form that's a person every person requires right. all this life inside of it e. yes. coli living in your body and all sorts of gut yeah. flora all sorts of things that are not you right but there are you because you are a system that's You're a right. system just like your neighborhood's a system, just like the rainforest is a system. I'm sure all the people in the rainforest that are, uh, you know, hunting with bows and arrows and looking out for jaguars, I'm sure they don't think of themselves as a system, but they're a life system. That's, That's how it. life balances itself yeah. out, both in your gut and in the jungle yeah. and in the mountains of Montana and in the, the, the savannas of Africa. Yeah. These are all system life systems. Right. And our vision of life systems is that this life system is contained to this planet. Right. And this is it. But this planet, everything on this planet, right, the, the life system that's contained on this planet is all bathed in oxygen, right? It's all these gases. Yeah. And the elimination of those gases does not mean that you're not connected to all the other things that don't have those gases. You take those gases away, you go into space itself, you're still fucking connected to that. Yeah. You're still a soup. You're a part of an infinite soup of space. Yeah. And you, just like a subatomic particle that blinks in and out of existence that they can measure, it's moving and it's not moving, it's there and it's gone. This is how small the life form of a planet is right. in comparison 
to the mass of the universe itself, right. which might very well be just like every other fractal. The bigger you get, the more it represents the same patterns over and over again in larger scales. That's right. We, the entire planet could be a subatomic part, particle in the cell of an organism that lives on another planet. Yeah. The entire universe itself. Or if you want to even go deeper into it, it, it could, the entire universe could be some kind of like uh, synaptic pulse in the brain of uh, an entity just having a dream. Like, yes. it, so, so Which is the synaptic pulse of a, another entity right. that's also having a dream this and it's is bigger the, and bigger and bigger and bigger and there's no end this is the uh this is this is the one of the first in the, in the emerald tablet this alchemical you've seen that we've probably talked about it no what's the emerald tablet look it up it's the emerald tablet is it a book <clears throat> it's the it's like this alchemical text that's like this super condensed uh it's is a, it really old yeah, it's really fucking old, man. And and I'm gonna try to say that it's the it's got a great name that I always say it wrong and I always get corrected and so I'll say it wrong again. The Emerald Tablet, um uh there it is, of Hermes Trimested Somethingeth. But if you uh, open it up, open up the Emerald Tablet and then hopefully we can see what it says on it, because it's like uh there it is. Okay, what does the first one say? Okay, tis certain with error, certain and most true. So you just said number two. That which is below is like that which is above, and that which is above is like that which is below. Um, to do the miracles of only one thing. And as all oh. things have been and arose from one by the mediation of one, so all things have their birth from this one thing by adaptation. So anyway, it's like... So it's all the shit that we were just talking about. Somebody had already figured it out. Well, it's it's like, so yeah, it's like the it's the... It's evidence that other people have been as high as we are. <laughs> Enough to put it in a tablet. Dude, they didn't have podcasts. They used to like have to carve shit in a tablet. <laughs> it took a lot right, of words. Fucking write that down. We got to find some emerald, man. Yeah, if you had to write all that on bark. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot of work. Yeah, but this is kind of the, like the all these al alchemical ideas. I guess it's like... It, mu it only makes sense that if we see these fractals all throughout nature, yeah. and we can observe them here, and that our idea is that we can only observe subatomic particles, that that's, that's the yeah. whole universe. Like, it's probably infinitely smaller than that. By the way, here's what's cool about that, is that is a translation by Isaac Newton. So, yeah, so, and he was really into this shit, man. Like, Newton was fucking nuts. Like, he well, was... Newton was asexual, too, right? I, I think he was, like, I think these... I don't want to say, because he's, like, it, it's a... I don't know if he's asexual, but if he was, I think a lot of these guys, they were fucking around with mercury a lot <laughs> and like it was like messing with their heads like oh, i'm sure yeah but uh i don't know god forgive me everyone out there i don't but go to newton and the occult go back and look at the occult section it's really interesting i don't think a lot of people are aware of the fact that newton was deeply into the occult like yeah 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 a lot of those scientists and deep thinkers back then were they were checking on all sorts of different things. Well, I mean, checking on it is one way to put it. Another way to put it is, like, it may be that some of these people figured out ways to directly communicate with this intelligence that I, that, that I certainly believe in. And maybe it's through mercury poisoning. Yeah, maybe mercury is the way. Do you know, speaking... Go back to his personal life, because you were showing his personal life stuff there. I, I want to make sure I'm right, because I said that he was asexual. I read some weirdness about... The way he viewed sex and wasn't he a Christian as well? Uh, like a pretty hardcore Christian. I don't know what kind of Christian he was. Like that's a, that's a whole other. I mean, Christian's Newton, a big word. Never married, although he was once. What is it? What does it say? Once claimed that he is. Oh, 
although it was once it was claimed that he was engaged, Newton never married. The widespread belief that he died of a virgin has been comment, commented on by writers mm. such as mathematician Charles Hutton, probably and, a hater, yeah. economist John <laughs> Maynard Keynes, Keynes <laughs> hater, and physicist Carl Sagan. How dare you, Carl? Well, thank Meanwhile, God. I just said it. I just said it. So fuck me. You did say. Why, yeah. is, why are you talking shit about Newton? Not even talking shit about. I'm just fascinated by um, individuals that are brilliant beyond beyond the norm, like Tesla, who was also like yeah. a, a weird guy sexually. Yeah. Fell in love with a pigeon. Yes. You, you know the whole deal. Yeah, I know the deal. Completely out of his mind, but yet insanely brilliant. Like well, beyond yeah. insanely brilliant. I think yeah. that's what happens. Is like what we and by the way, we call them out of their minds. You know, where meanwhile, like, what are we doing that makes any fucking sense? Exactly. Like, we're, oh, yeah, they're crazy. I got it all figured out. Look what I'm doing. I'm sitting in a fucking podcast studio talking about the infinite universe. It's like we're all like the idea that any there is a kind of uh, pattern that's like, oh, yeah, that's the sane pattern right there. Mm. Well, I think these people, they uh, they do make contact. And I think, you know, we talk about like... Uh, uh, I, one of my favorite, I think you told me this, Joe, one of my favorite uh, UFO conspiracy theories is that Roswell was a real alien crash mm -hmm. and that we can chart the evolution of technology from the Roswell alien crash. The technology is actually some kind of alien virus that came in through Roswell and is now spreading through our, through history now. Yeah, that was like, that's the most popular um conspiracy theory when it comes to the creation of like the transistor yeah. bell laboratories which is in new jersey um there's an air force base outside of bell laboratories and bell laboratories is supposed to be where they examined all the parts that they took from the, right from the ufo and they flew it to wright patterson air force base and then they took all the stuff out of it it's it's so fantastic dude i one of the th many things i love about you man is you are like the library of congress for this stuff whereas in my <laughs> mind it's just like a murky swamp when i try to remember it's like if i pull you can you can in detail expound on these things you like photographically memorize them i think it's really cool and i so therefore i know that you were the one who told me this and i yeah. think about it a lot it's a really cool idea but i think it's it's funny because for us we're like okay the way we would get technologies by a metal craft shooting into the earth and then we're going to take that and make technology whereas i think the real alien encounters that happen throughout history the ufo encounters a ufo for la for as, for lack of a better word a ufo flies through the consciousness of isaac newton and isaac newton Tesla, all of the great inventors have this spontaneous idea where they're like, wait, what? Wait, yes. oh, wait. And so the alien technology is actually not something that is necessarily has to be matter, but starts as a thought form that then gets sort of produced through the spinneret of the particular inventor that like allows it to come through them. You know, I the said this very thing in an interview today, the very really? exact thing, <laughs> cool. because we were talking about ideas possibly being a life form right ideas being a form of like when creativity and ideas being a form of life that forces the change on an environment yeah. forces the change in 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 a civilization yeah. they come from ideas the ideas creativity is responsible for everything including this microphone the internet connection everything. the building we're in everything we're wearing 
Everything, the car you drove to get here, all of it comes from the imagination, from ideas, and from creativity. And the initial burst of imagination comes from where? We don't know. It might be a life form. It might be as much of a life form as a physical thing, like like a person. Or it might be the, uh, okay, so like a a plane, or, you know, like a... I don't know. You see, in the I'm, it's never actually happened to me, but like a plane flies too low, and like the fucking trees, or like when a helicopter's landing, the trees blow. People have to hold their hands yeah. to their ears, right? So maybe when these like transcendent objects enter into our time space continuum, shit tons of people start having the very same idea or different like brilliant ideas that are actually just the uh, the sort of impact that this craft as it passes through our planet or passes near us or whatever that means from the dimension that they're in maybe that's the impact that it has on our consciousness is the sudden origination of these incredible ideas that end up creating massive shifts in our society that that that's because if you look at like tesla where he got his ideas and i don't know about newton but a lot of uh, great inventors there it's not like their ideas came as they were sitting at the whiteboard calculating and then they got a eureka moment it's like they had dreams well tesla literally was claiming that he was getting some information from space yeah he thought he was getting information from space that's right yeah um I, I think I think you're onto something. John Lilly too. Mm-hmm. But he was so fucked up all the time though. Yeah. How does he know it's space? Lilly was shooting intramuscular ketamine and then climbing into an isolation tank all the time. Yeah. LSD isolation tank. But the ketamine injections, that was towards the end. Like I think it, yeah. I think in the beginning It was L S D. It was L S D and there was like uh and it was like I think he got to the point where he recognized that maybe his physical body was actually getting in the way of of mm. what he actually was. So he just sort of wanted to melt into nothingness, and it was sort of troubled by this thing. Whoa! Yeah, <laughs> he was like, Whoa. I got, I got to keep coming back to this fucking thing. He was ready to get out of it, not as a suicidal way, but just like the way that a uh, something that is molted has to like discard its but old he skin. He was so far removed. I don't want to say gone because I don't think he's wrong. But he was so far removed from the average human being, like yeah. in terms of like how bizarre his paths of thinking had gone, yeah, and what he was trying to accomplish. He was trying to. I mean, he's a pioneer of interspecies communication with dolphins. Yeah. He'd get dolphins high on acid. Yeah, he would get high on acid. He cre- I mean, he was giving of- acid to dolphins. Yes, I didn't know that part of the yes. story. Do you know that his research on dolphins wow. was all canceled because the girl who was a scientist was jerking the dolphin off? That got his research canceled? Yeah, that was one of the things that got the the project where she was living with a dolphin. I like this story you're telling (laughs) me because it's the story (laughs) of the fucking luckiest dolphin. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, not only... I'm I'm saying if you get caught as a dolphin, it's not great, but if you are going to get caught by the monkeys... And you don't, end, you end up in a place where they like they're giving you acid and jerking you off. <laughs> That's the sound a dolphin makes when you jerk them off. <laughs> Can you imagine if that dolphin got in a conversation with a SeaWorld dolphin and they're like, oh. "Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, what? You get jerked off, dude? They're I get giving dead you fish. acid and <laughs> I have to do flips for fat kids. <laughs> Fuck this, man. <laughs> Fuck this gig." She jerks you off how often? Every day. Every day. Yeah, and she kind of likes it. I don't. She does like it. I don't understand how 
that got his experiments canceled because it's pleasure because we're so puritanical we like through a scientist it's not it makes sense this dolphin was severely distracted it was horny all the time yeah she would jerk the dolphin off the dolphin could relax and then it would do its work right but the dolphin was always horny because yeah. the dolphin's like a kid you know the dolphin's like a, an 18 year old kid like yeah. 18 year old kid with a boner it's just so distracted yeah. good luck trying to get him to do work right so she just thought rationally First of all, she's a scientist. She didn't think there was anything wrong with sex. Sure. And she definitely realized that there was a problem in her research where this dolphin is de dealing with too much desire f to get rid of cum. So she <laughs> she's church. whacked him off, <laughs> whacked him off and got back to work. I mean, it's, it's a very smart and pragmatic way of looking at it. The problem is she told people about it. Like over cocktails, you know, yeah. it was her fucking boyfriend who ruined it. Like she, she was like, so anyway, I jerked off. What was the dolphin's name? It's a good question. I bet like when he came to visit her at work, like he started getting a vibe that she was jerking off the dolphin. Like it was yeah. looking at him weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No kidding, right? Yeah. Like Can you fucking imagine? What a bizarre. And the other thing is the dolphins, they were trying to get dolphins to say human words. Yeah. But they can't, they don't have any lips. Right. So they can't make those sounds. So they would do their best to make something close to it. Yeah. But, you know, they have those high piercing, shrieking sort of sounds that they can make. Do you know, man, that's the, she's, <laughs> even the thing, here's what would have happened. If they could have gotten the dolphin to talk, they would have canceled it because the only thing it would say is, jerk me off again. <laughs> jerk me off again. Wait, what did it say? Jerk me off. Have you seen the video? I don't mean to change the subject. Have you seen the video of the crow telling someone, fuck you? No. Could, do you know that video? If you look it up, it is so fucking funny, man. Like, this guy, like, this guy, ins like, he doesn't insult the crow, but the crow really, like, snarks him. I hope you can the, find The crow it. literally says, fuck you? Look at this. Watch this. Talk to him. Hello. Hello. That's crazy, oh. He's gonna text that mic. That's crazy. I don't hear anything. Watch. <laughs> Try to pet him. No, no, that one we got the big head big gun over. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> Whoa. It's like he insults his beak and he's like, fuck you. Whoa. See, if it was any other animal, I'd go, no way. Right. But they're so goddamn smart. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't want, like, fuck you. You're going to make fun of my fucking beak. Did you ever see the raven that starts a fight between two cats? No. Dude. Can we see Dude. that, please? I put it up on my Instagram. This is some crazy shit. Some raven flies over to one cat, fucks with him a little bit. The cat tries to get away from him. The cat, like, s turns around real quick, and the, the raven jumps away. And then the raven flies over to another cat who's on another rooftop. <laughs> Sweat how he does this. He literally starts a fight between these two. He's just hanging out That's there. That's so cool. And he's like, damn, I'm fucking bored. So he flies over there and fuck. I guess it's not a raven. Is that a raven? I don't it's know. Crow too. It's a crow, too. It's a crow? But it, why does it look white? Is that the reflection of the sun on him? I don't know. It could be a... I don't know what... How? Anyway, so he flies over there. He gets near the cat, and he, he irritates the cat. And then he flies over, gets near the other cat. Look, he's getting behind him. He irritates him. <laughs> he fucks with him. 
He's fucking with both of them. Literally, like, he's fucking with them on purpose. Look, he's getting really close. Oh, this is awesome. And then he backs up. He's getting really close. He fucks with them. Look, he's literally fucking with that cat. Awesome. He keeps he keeps poking at him. He's getting right behind him. The cat turns around to swing at him. So he's agitating the cat, and the cat jumps on the other cat. <laughs> and he flies over there. And he's watches. a foot away from them while they're duking it out. They fall off the fucking roof. They're beating the fuck out of each other. He flies to the ground. And he's watching them. Like, he literally instigated and started this fight, and he's prodding them while they're fighting. Look, they fall into a hole. They're beating the shit out of each other, dude. And that bird's like, dude, what's That's up? It. The bird Look, is... he hops in there. That... He hopped in there with them. Fucking crazy! It's Satan. That's the bird. Is the devil? The raven. Yeah, that's so great. Raven. Ravens are always thought to be satanic, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess so. Or they're they're like uh, harbingers of doom. Mm. They're called. There's a great word for it. Psychopomps is the word for it. Like animals that appear. I think before someone's gonna die. Uh, like crows. There's a whole bunch. There's what was a, the Edgar Allan Poe? The raven. The raven. Yeah, the raven. That well, I think you know. I read an analysis of what that was. It's like very, very fucking sad, man. Probably about a chick that dumped. So you're him. never gonna be happy again. Oh, that's it. The idea is like, yeah, you're never gonna be fucking happy again, like <sighs> ever. Like your your like happiness is a dream. Give mm. it up. The reality is that life is. Just, you know, it's the usual kind of fucking drivel that comes out of people. No, I don't mean to say drivel, but sometimes the old happy juice isn't coming out of the synaptic vesicle vesicles the way it should, and mm. you translate that. It's like instead of recognizing that your engine is running low on coolant, you think that all cars in the world must just run in some shitty way. It's really. It's to me. It's one of the the most beautiful things to realize while simultaneously being one of the most depressing things to realize, which is that so much of what human happiness is, is coming from these uh, synaptic vesicles, these little, you know, bubbles of uh, serotonin that are getting dripped into our brains according to our what activities we are partaking in, you know? And so uh, some people, the drip isn't happening. And I would say that it's probably safe to say that for Edgar Allan Poe, if his brain, if you could say the synaptic vesicles are the vagina of the human brain, then his were dry, arid, just, just fucking chafed synaptic vesicles. He was depressed. Nothing's coming out, man. And like, I know what that's like because uh, anyone who's taken MDMA, if you've taken MDMA and have felt the MDMA related depression, um, extrapolate from that three straight years of that unrelenting numbness that comes when you don't have enough of the happy juice up there. And then you're going to start writing shit like, quoth the raven, nevermore. Also, it doesn't help that uh, his fucking wife, I think at one point she had, uh, what was the name of that terrible disease? Tuberculosis. Ooh. I think it was tuberculosis. She had some horrible lung disease. And I think she was playing piano at this uh, party that he threw, and she just like exploded blood all over the piano. Like she just coughed Whoa. up a big spray of blood. So he had a rough life, Edgar Allan Poe. He's a fucking alcoholic. You know, he had a crazy. Well, there you go. That too. That that makes depression. I mean, yeah, it doesn't help. That's nothing, for sure. Nothing hinders your happiness like crashing your system every night. Ugh. Yeah, when uh. you you're, you're essentially slowly poisoning yourself. 
If you're really uh, into drinking all the time, ooh. Not good. Not good. Not fucking good. There's so many better options out there for you, too. And I, well, and not I, pot. That's illegal, but... <gasps> I <laughs> yeah, didn't know. A... <laughs> I didn't know. Quote the raven, nevermore. Nevermore. Yeah. I just think that people would benefit more from it, too. From marijuana? It's, yeah. Instead of making you more confident, it makes you less. It makes you more like, more aware. Yeah. More objective. It just makes you... It's a nicer drug. It's a nicer, like, in terms of its effects. In terms of the behavior of people that are on it. Just a way nicer drug. I gotta tell you, man. Like... The, the, I mean, all this fucking shit coming out about Hillary Clinton. The thing that really bummed me out the most, man, was that fucking she's like anti marijuana. Like yeah. that, that really, like that really gets to me, man. It's like, god damn it, because like I was gonna do for her like the pragmatic Clinton vote, you mm-hmm. know, like well, Trump seems like a you know, fun guy to hang out with at a party. Don't want him around my nuclear weapons. Like Hillary Clinton seems like a, a like a, a uh, you know, oh God, just like the ultimate politician, like the super evolved ultimate flower on the goddamn pol- b- b- bush of politics. Like she's, yeah. but God, so I'll, fuck it. I'll, I'll write in, fuck it. I'll check Hillary Clinton. And it's like, God damn it. Like she's Gary really- Johnson. What? Gary Johnson. Gary Johnson makes sense. I, I mean, I mean, he doesn't know shit about Aleppo, but he doesn't know shit about a lot of things. I'm sure that he's going to have to learn if he becomes president. Do you really think that? Is that really your Donald you Trump's been paying attention to that's that? That's who you're no, endorsing. I'm, I'm, I'm endorsing him more than anybody else. That's who you're going to vote for. I'd vote. I'll write in you. How about that, bitch? Don't write in me. Write in bag of tarantulas. <laughs> write in bag of tarantulas. That's no, what I'm writing I'm in. Not, not writing in bag of tarantulas. That All right, ridiculous. fine. But I do think that. I just, I mean, we can only talk about this nonsense so long, but her, her insistence on working towards marijuana and, and making sure that marijuana stays a schedule one drug. Yeah. It's, it's not just disappointing. It's, it's traitorous. Yeah. Traitorous, that a word? Yeah. No, that's not right. I mean, it's bigly traitorous. Make it What's what the word? It's not traitorous. Shitty. Traitorous. You could say traitorous. Sounds wrong. Sounds like a dinosaur. A traitosaurus. <laughs> Hillary Clinton's a traitosaurus. <laughs> but I think it's it's not just not doing your job to serve and protect us and to lead us. It's not only is it not doing your job, it's doing the opposite of your job. You're doing something for profit and for you you've made a connection and through influence you've decided to do something that you know for sure doesn't help anybody. It keeps people in jail. That's all you need to know. The keep people in jail part, that's all you need to know. More people were arrested from marijuana than for all violent crimes combined. That's so fucked up. It's insane. But that's the problem, is that it's a business. There's a giant business in arresting people and putting people in jail keeping people in jail, enforcing laws. There's a business in that. It's a huge business. We don't want to think of it as a huge business, but anytime a huge business drops off, and it's going to drop off, whoever you're, if you're in that business, get out now, because you're like blockbuster video, you right. motherfuckers. Right. You're not going to make it. You mean the prison business? Yes, the prison business and the drug business, the DEA business, the arresting people for marijuana business. Anybody who's in the ma- arresting people for marijuana business, you might as well be selling Betamax. 
<laughs> I hope you're right, man. You can't. It's not. It's not going to work anymore. You can't keep arresting people for something that everybody does. But if just she's like they like, had to give it up with alcohol. But if she's saying, if like the the next president, she's definitely going to be the next president, is saying that she's going to continue this prohibition to the bankers that were paying her to give a presentation, then. And this is the person Obama's endorsing and Bernie Sanders is endorsing. It's just like, I mean, look, I, you know, I don't know. I don't, the more I look into all this shit, the more confused I become. Like I start, I tried to like go a little deeper into it, like looking up the Clinton Foundation and then like checking out the charity websites that like talk about the Clinton Foundation or give it a rating or whatever. And it's like, well, they, it definitely doesn't, it like, there's a lot of misinformation coming from both sides, but mm -hmm. the most, the one I trust only because they're like a left-leaning, super liberal website. The Huffington Post called, there's an article in there saying that Hillary, the Clinton Foundation's gross is the name of the article. And basically it says the foundation itself, if you look at the tax returns, since it's a, an operating foundation, all the bullshit about how they're only giving like 6% or 10% of the money to charities is wrong because they are doing shit. They are doing stuff. The foundation goes into the world. It has worked with AIDS. So you can't villainize the entire foundation. But what's fucked up is the Clintons, when they go to give talks to people who then donate to the foundation, they get paid and that money separate from what goes to the foundation. So when Hillary Clinton goes and like gives a speech and then they donate to the foundation, the amount they pay her for the speech doesn't go to the foundation. Exactly. That goes to the Clintons. When Bill and, Clinton and, and it's hundreds of thousands of dollars for an hour speech. Yeah, right. So that's where it's like that's where the corruption is. And yeah. apparently there used to be some kind of law that if there was even the appearance of corruption in politics, then you had to change your operating procedures. But that apparently got changed in the Supreme Court or something. So now you, you can. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. And like last night at the debates, man, when uh, when they asked her about the WikiLeaks shit, which is real, like mm -hmm. it's however the information got obtained, it, it really doesn't fucking matter. Right. But but I mean, it matters. But the the issue is the information itself. Yeah, right. So when you watch that faint where she's like, "You got it from Putin," it was amazing to me. That was like, God damn it! Like Trump, there's a really great chance right there for you to be like, "Did Putin send those emails? Was he writing your emails?" Because let's talk about the fucking emails, and then we'll talk about Russia. But he like spun off on this weird thing. It was really like a so she baited him. She fucking baited him. And She's he, a master at that. She's so good at playing him. She's so good. It's amazing to watch. The, well, he's easy, but yeah. she's doing it masterful. Well, she is. Well, I mean, masterfully. This, I guess that's like the one bitter comfort that we have is that this person who's going to become president is very, very sophisticated when it comes to manipulating people. Sophisticated in a way that, like, God, man, I kept looking. I kept trying to take pictures of her, and you get up close. She's to, a vampire. Dude, she, have you? Someone needs to put together a montage of Clinton fucking stink eyes. Have you seen like how good she is at giving the stink eye? Like she was looking, because what's crazy? She was like looking. No, she's looking at the camera. Like I'm trying to get pictures of her because she's wearing the same outfit, kind of as the Heaven's Gate dude. The who like like it's kind of the same outfit. So I'm trying to get a picture of it and. uh 
and she she keeps looking at the camera and giving this like fucking stink eye that felt like she was looking at me like it felt like fuck she knows I'm trying to like do this tweet about her weird outfit (laughs) (laughs) I can she gives a terrible stink eye, oh man. Like God. I've never seen anybody throw eye daggers like Hillary Clinton can, man. It's crazy. Like, do you think that that's? Do you think that she's employing a different strategy now? Because her first strategy with him was to kind of laugh when he would say ridiculous shit and almost like take the high road, but now she's gone on the attack more. And yeah. now Clinton and Melania, they don't shake hands before. Yeah, yeah. like there's all this all this stuff that's going on man it's a different it's a different sort of vibe now between the two of them as it ramps up i think she was like super effective though and just taking the moral high ground her yeah i well i mean you have like in terms of debate tactics so here's trump my imagine i imagine like what a trump strategy meeting looks like is like people sitting around eating cheeseburgers doing blow <laughs> You know what I mean? They're like, they're like, Trump's already making deals for his next TV show. He's like, uh, he's like, fuck, whatever. Yeah, the president thing. They don't care. They're like, you know, he probably is getting fucking calls from Putin. They're laughing. They're like, all right, I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta do this stupid fucking debate. Like, you know what I mean? And I think uh, if you look at a Hillary Clinton strategy meeting, she's like sitting in some kind of like geodesic dome surrounded by CIA agents who are like, we've done a thermal analysis of Donald and uh, here are the moments that you should hold still and at this moment we recommend that you say this and then this and then this. Like she goes through the whole that they're like, right. he's definitely going to bring up the WikiLeaks. Here according to our psychological analysis and also some of the DNA data we got from one of the cheeseburger crumbs that fell out of his fucking mouth at one of these rallies is like he's going to react to this and like she just memorizes it in a kind of alien way, sits there and just does it. Like the fighters I'm sure. Like I remember when you were like when I realized, because I don't know, at the time I didn't know anything about fighting but then you were explaining how like they're they have these insanely deep combos if this person does this they have all these moves like 19 moves deep that mm-hmm. like that's incredible so i think she's like that like she has like if he does this you do this and if he does that then this 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 and then that and then that and then that and they've done it all with like a government team of psychologists who have fully analyzed him and know how to fucking set him off. And mm. she did it last night. She did it in every single fucking debate. And it's not like she's the one who's coming up with that. She's got a team of the smartest, most manipulative people on planet Earth who baited him in to the fucking uh, elections in the first place. You saw that email, right? Where they picked the three candidates that they wanted to empower, you know, or to like build up, which was Trump. What's his name? Ted Cruz. Ted fucking Cruz. Because he's also a fool. Because he's a fool. And the other, the sweet guy, the doctor. Marco Rubio? Not Rubio. Ben Carson? Carson, you know? So, like, they pick the three biggest fools. They're like, all right, let's pump them up. They pump them up. The king of the fools made his way into the fucking uh, president. Somehow, they're like, are you fucking kidding? We got Trump? We got fucking Trump. We got Trump. Trump. Hold on. Let me go to the Trump file. Oh, my God. Listen to this audio of him talking about grabbing fucking girls. She's like, okay, great. Let's use that. Hold on to that for a while. Yeah, we'll do that on the day before the second debate. Yeah, let's do that on the day before the second debate. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? I think they gave it two days. 
Yeah, two to days really to build. Simmer. Two days to build, and then of course they were probably working on like, you know, months leading up to it. They're like, let's find every single person that claims Donald Trump groped them or that were groped by Donald or Trump, or anyone who's willing to claim Donald Trump groped them. Yeah. Anybody wants to get on TV? Yeah, yeah. How you guys feeling? And I, but I have a feeling. I mean, I don't, I don't know for sure, but my guess would be that if you wanted to find people who said, yeah, Trump grabbed my pussy, it wouldn't be that <laughs> fucking hard. It's not like you're looking for Bigfoot. <laughs> pretty easy to hunt them down would be my guess right yeah but so so it wasn't like a hard thing to do it's a breadcrumb tra trail yeah very simple very easy and so it's like when you realize like that then you start feeling this weird compassion for him you're like my god even with all his like maliciousness and like weird perviness and stuff Ultimately, he they he's like a fucking bull that got put into a goddamn ring with a matador who's been doing this kind of bullfighting for like 30 fucking years, for better or for worse. And he's we're watching what we saw last night, I guess. And what's interesting about it, a big part of what's interesting about it is he came really close to winning. I mean, he's still in the neighborhood of winning. Right. Plus or minus 11 points. or What that means is between now and how many days do we have until the elections? 21 days? Listen, man, a lot of crazy shit can happen in 21 days it's that true. can shift people's opinions. No, but apparently, again, from all the stats. Now, look, man, I try to get... I try don't to, say any of that stuff because you don't even know if it's true. They're all just talking on TV and they're, they're brainwashing all of us to let us think that they know who the fuck's voting. They're not talking to you. They're not talking to me. They're not talking to Jamie. They. I don't think they know... Nearly you as think much. it's a massive no. cover-up. No, I don't think it's a massive cover-up at all. I think a lot of what happens in the polls does reflect how the United States feels. But there's no way it could be 100% accurate because it's not, it's not polling 100% of the people. And I think part of the problem with those polls is once you read the results of the polls. Hillary Clinton is ahead by 16%. Everybody just starts saying, well, Hillary Clinton's got it in the bag. I've seen the recent polls. And you even start thinking and voting right. towards that goal. Like people who might have voted for Trump go, I don't want to waste my vote. I want to be on the winning team. You know, to There's be a lot of that But going I, on. I think really though, man, like if people, like what that, the effect that that actually has is people who might have been terrified of Trump being president. Oh, yeah. If they're like, she's already ahead by 12%, I'm not going to fucking drive out of the polls to vote they don't come out to vote like it would serve her more if there was some collusion between her and the media which according to the podesta emails there certainly has been there's like you've got the fuck one of the, like the mm. editor of politico you saw that one where he's like fuck it i'm a hack yeah uh, he's, you, a, he's a hack yeah Isn't that crazy crazy so like yeah. i don't know if it was the editor i don't remember which guy it was but the point is i i would i i think it's a pretty safe bet that she's going to be the next president and I don't think that that data that, that we're getting is necessarily uh, some kind of collusion between the not saying it's collusion I'm saying it affects the event itself I'm saying that even if you do legitimately objectively poll a group of people and you get a result from that poll it's not really representative of 100% of the people but once you start thinking that it is and once people start deciding that it is it has a massive impact on how people vote well I gotta tell you man before the fucking buses go riding through varying neighborhoods and scooping up illegal immigrants and before the fucking abortion cops start arresting fucking women for getting abortions and before all the insanity that like apparently he's gonna do starts happening 
Who's he? Trump. That if he gets elected, if he gets talking about arresting people for abortions. Yeah, he said that women should be like punished for. That's one of the main one of his many fuck ups. Is he was like, yeah, women should be. There should be some punitive legal shit if women get a legal abortion. That's real? Look it up. You can find it. It's like famous. Yeah, look it up. Whoa. Yeah, he's like f- yeah. He really said that? Well, he's you look it up. There's a whole thing. Find I'm the- Jamie's going to look it up. Look it up. You're getting look crazy. at the fucking you're getting, data. You're getting very data worked up. Graphs. <laughs> I didn't know that he had said those words. That's a crazy thing to he say. He said there should be some arrest per- someone for having an abortion. Not for having an abortion. It's like for, uh, you'll see. It's like enough that like she mentioned in the last debate. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to say, too, because a lot of his positions on things, you know, are off the cuff. You know, like maybe he hadn't even considered it. Somebody brings something up and he talks about it. And definitely he doesn't have, off the fucking cuff. Yeah. Uh, Trump. He said he was miss. Uh, uh, I'll let you read that. Okay, let me though, read sorry. it. Go back up. Go back up, please. Um, Trump abruptly reverses course, says women should not be punished for abortion. So what did he say? What were you have the, to look it up. What, what was the station? There's been some sort of, pun- oh, there has to be some sort of punishment, he said, yeah. for women who receive unlawful abortions. Yeah. I have not changed my position, Trump said in the statement. He said he was referring to doctors who perform illegal abortions, not women who receive them. Mm, okay. That's what he said in the I understand. Okay, so he still believes that doctors who perform illegal abortions, there should be some sort of punishment for them. All right, well, that's not the same. Well, he thing. wants to reverse Roe versus Wade. Like, does he? Yeah. Does he? He said that last night. He said he would put in three, or he said he would try to put in three Supreme Court justices that would be on that side of the the, the decision. So it would automatically get reversed. It was like I think his exact words almost. Man, that's so tricky. That's uh, th- deciding what people can and can't do with their body. And people go, it's not that, it's a baby. It's not always a baby. Sometimes it's a bunch of cells. When it's 10 cells, is it still a baby? You know, like you could get an abortion 10 cells in. Is that an abortion? I mean, I, I do not know. I'm legitimately asking. Meanwhile, At what point though, in time do you get to tell someone that they can't, they have to remain pregnant? But think of the irony that fucking pro-abortion Hillary Clinton is anti-marijuana. So she's like, I can, I'm going to tell you, no, it's not our place to uh, say what a woman could do with her body, but I'm going to fucking tell you what you can put into your body. I think it is the government's place to say that. It's like, what the fuck? She's doing it for profit. A hundred percent. That's the only reason why the banks want her to do it in the first place. Why else would the banks be concerned about marijuana? Are they in the marijuana business? What, what, what the fuck is going on? Why would banks want her to be for marijuana laws like that doesn't make any sense i don't get it man it's i would all ex- a expect gig- a lot of bankers love weed so no, it doesn't make no. sense i guarantee i know what it is it has to do with banks having interest in pharmaceutical companies you know the company that makes right. fentanyl we've talked about this ad nauseum they're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars in arizona to try to uh stop the uh the medical or not even medical they're trying to do recreational recreational marijuana from being passed in Arizona, because they know that it's way cheaper, way easier, and way more effective pain relief. It's going to fucking cripple their creepy-ass business. Yeah. And guess what? No physical addiction properties. Some people get addicted to it, but they're the same people that get addicted to a lot of stuff, folks. And it doesn't mean there's like physical addictive properties to marijuana. There's not really a mechanism for you to get physically addicted to marijuana the way you can get physically addicted to painkillers. Look, even if there was, it's not the government's place to say you can't do this. Like, it's Especially a- while they still have pain pills and they're yeah. taking money from these pain pills. Right. Oh, it's so gross. What a fucking mess, man. It's like, just to, like, the, the dream is, 
Like, man, can you imagine if the fucking Republicans had come up with just a normal dude? Like, if they just somehow come up with one normal guy, like a just a non-religious nut, and somebody who, like, doesn't have, like, a checkered past, just a kind of balanced guy who's like, well, we need to work on the economy. Like Mitt Romney without the Mormon shit. Yeah. If they yeah. had just come up with that, they would have won... By a long shot. Yeah. A long shot. It's like this was the perfect chance for them to get somebody in, but it didn't happen. They couldn't do it. Like the whole sit, their whole system was so screwy. It's sad too when you hear some of the because Repu- by the way, man, here's a news flash. Not all Republicans are bad. Like people think that a lot of them have like some great fucking ideas. Smaller government, not a bad idea. But when you like hear some of the frustration from like like my fucking dad, man, he's a lifelong Republican. He's a a, a vet, and he's you know he's like dismayed by all of this like he's he looks at it from the perspective of someone who's like seen so many different election cycles and to to look at like it boiling down to debates that have turned into the fucking jerry springer show literally like this is a fucking guy who like spent two fucking years in vietnam by choice because like he thought he was gonna fight for his country so these things mean a lot uh to him and it's like to see fucking this fucking barely, and at least in the debates that I've seen, I don't. You see barely anyone talking about the fucking veterans. Like no one's fucking talking about the fact that the VA's fucked, or that like some of these people aren't getting any of the uh, medical care that they need. It's like crazy. They're up there fucking talking about Trump grabbing pussies or like Hillary Clinton's fucking stupid foundation. What about the fact that like people are blowing their goddamn brains out all over neighborhoods across our country because they made the decision to like go over and fight in fucking Iraq? And more people have killed themselves than have died serving. Yeah, what about that? Why are yeah, they even... more veterans have killed themselves than have been killed in war? Can you imagine like That's insane. I have never what, I mean, are the, what is the numbers? I would like to know how much more it is. Vet, more veterans have committed suicide than have died in combat in these wars. That's 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 unbelievably shocking. Dude, and the fact that they don't talk about that at all, hardly at all. And it's like to to just imagine like. And by the way, here's another thing, man. One thing you don't hear about, like we hear about, like uh, you know, you hear about the. Uh, you know, you hear we do hear about PTSD a lot, but like you, I don't think people realize the impact that PTSD has on a family. Like the impact of your dad or your mom being completely closed off. Because like when you get PTSD, you develop these crazy survival mechanisms, so you try not to feel as much anymore. So you get numbed down. You become an alcoholic. You become a drug addict. You you have difficulty expressing emotions. You're a fucking mess, man. And like, uh, by the way, with all due respect, but you're not. You know, PTSD is a very difficult disorder to have right so it's not just impacting the vet it's fucking the entire spreading out into the communities and the neighborhoods and shit and the fact that like uh i just imagine being in a family that's been god that's so fucked up suicide surpassed war make that a little larger please jamie said there's 17 to 22 every day make that a little larger please wow look at that man jesus christ this is this is really incredible 46% 46% of the, look at this, the fighting in Iraq and again, Afghanistan accounted for anywhere from one out of three deaths in the military from 2005 to 2010 to more than 
of the deaths in 2007, according to the height of the Iraqi surge, yeah. during the height of the Iraqi surge. More than 6,800 troops have died in Iraq and Afghanistan since 9-11, and more than 3,000 additional service members have taken their lives in the same time, according to Pentagon data. Now, so keep going now so we can find out where it, that's it? Wait a minute. Hold on a second then. Go back to the bottom of that, please. It says more than 6,800 troops have died in Iraq and Afghanistan and more than 3,000 additional service members have taken their lives. So how is that the same amount? Go, go back up to the uh, title? That doesn't make any sense to me. Is this a bad article? Suicide surpassed war as the military leading cause of death. That, what that means is currently. That doesn't mean like all told. Right. I think this is an old article, dude. It's currently that which, would, you know, but still... Fuck, that's so dire, man. Yeah, this is a couple years old. Go, go and find a, if you can, please find a more recent. Because I think what they were saying is suicide, yeah, suicide has caused more American casualties than wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. There it goes. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so what are the, what are the numbers there? Jesus Christ. Veterans explore, ex experts Estimate that 17 out of the 22 daily suicides involving vets not enrolled in the VA's healthcare system. Jesus. 27,258 of those we honor for their service on this Veterans Day have died by their own hand. 27 fucking thousand people. Whoa. What? That's from how many wars? How many? How many years? It's still a lot too of fucking many. people. It's unbelievable. Anyway, man, the whole thing. I'm, but it's I'm, not unbelievable, right? It's very believable. Like what? A, it's a, an empty, empty existence to be of having sent over there when you're 17 years old and you're fighting for a war that a lot of people don't believe in. You wind up killing people you don't even know, and well, yeah. you come back all fucked up and PTSD'd out, and then yeah. you don't get any help. Yeah, you don't get any any help because part of, I think maybe part of PTSD is you don't want to reach out for help. So that's like part of the disorder is you're all numbed down. So like, yeah, man, not to mention you have many of these people have brain trauma. Like they've got like, there there's a lot of, anyway, I'm sure that if you're sitting in a, like if you're in a family that's been impacted by that and you're watching the debates, because, you know, for me, like I, I do, I will, I watch the debates as a form of entertainment. You know, to me, it's kind of it's it's like there's something in it that's like grim yet hilarious. And it's like interesting to see this kind of unraveling of our political system in this way. But, man, it's like when you just spend a little bit of time thinking about how the whole machine is like impacting families in the most fucked up way, man. A lot of kids, they don't know their dad has PTSD. You know, like they don't even know why their dad is drinking so much or is acting angry or unpredictable or seems fucked up. They don't even know it. They just think that's how dad is. And then they like develop, they begin to imitate that behavior, you know, and then the next thing you know, you've got like this like echo of this terrible thing that war is echoing out into into our uh, communities and, and, and into, into our fucking, into everything, man. It's just, so, I imagine when you're watching the debates and you're realizing that these two people are spending, I don't know what percentage of time talking about that. I don't know what the percentage is exactly that they've talked about veterans at all, but you probably start getting really, really, really depressed when you're like, well, 
I guess that was just a bunch of bullshit that we did out there for real because these guys are barely talking about it. It's just a weird popularity contest for them to get into this position of power. That's all it is. And they're saying whatever is popular in the moment. What's popular in the moment is grabbing pussies and email scandals. I mean, that's, that's what everybody seems to be focusing on because the war has been going on for so long the people almost yeah. got numb to it. And if you drudge that up, it's not going to get the same emotional sparks, the current event spark that we love. We love a current event spark. And right now the current event spark is grabbing pussies and email scandals. I went back and forth the other day during the debates, um, post-debate, from CNN to Fox News, CNN to Fox News, CNN to Fox News, just listening to the the different sides and how they talk about stuff it's so bizarre yeah it's so bizarre i mean n you never are more aware of the fact that you are being your pr propaganda is being projected in your way yeah. just blatantly unapologetic propaganda the cnn people aren't even remotely considering the impact of her the, her the the controversy with the Clinton Foundation, her this WikiLeaks stuff that's come out about the bankers and her yeah. trying to keep marijuana an illegal drug yeah. and keep Americans imprisoned therefore because of it. Yeah. None of that gets brought up. Nothing. Nothing. Not a thing gets brought up. The idea that thirty thousand emails were about yoga classes, how much does this bitch take yoga? Right. How is that even possible? Dude, I've been doing jujitsu for twenty something years yeah i don't think i have a thousand jujitsu emails right. that i could delete right i don't even think i have a hundred i might have a hundred i might have a hundred or two hundred right. jujitsu emails that i could delete how the fuck is hillary clinton non-physical hillary clinton with her bite suit on that crazy space outfit on how is she you're trying to pretend <laughs> that you're doing yoga all the time yeah come on that's insane that's she's insane. not doing yoga also, like this sinister thing they did, apparently John Kerry manipulated Ecuador into cutting off Assange's internet connection. You know, so it's like on top of that, they just like shut him down. They're like, so like our country was able to manipulate another country to shut the internet connection off of a guy. It's like, you know, you hear about how like, who's the new leader of Korea? It's Kim Jong-un, right? Il was the first, Un's the second. So like Kim Jong-un, the South Koreans, they like put propaganda weather balloons into North Korea and the, I guess the North Koreans see this shit and they're like, what the fuck? And then like, you know, Kim Jong-un threatens to like shoot nuclear missiles into South Korea for distributing information like, hey, you guys are in a fucking hell bubble over there. You know, the world's not really like that. They don't know that over there. Right. So in the same way, Assange has started like leaking this information to us. It's like, hey, check it out, man. Your politicians, this is how they fucking work. This is how they work. And instead of us being like whoa let's reform this system we got to reform this fucking system man you can't do that like even if it is above the board like even if what you're doing is above the board in some kind of weird gray liminal legal area it shouldn't be it shouldn't be let's fix it instead we're like ah this is that Vladimir Putin trying to fucking manipulate our elections, which, by the way, are not rigged. How could anyone <laughs> say that when our politicians 
Americans are so fucking honest. Why would anybody say that the very thing that makes these honest people rise to power would be fucking corrupt? Too? So strange. So man. strange. So strange. So strange. And it's like to you know the the reaction we should all be having should not be like I don't know anger at Russia. The reaction we should be having is anger at our political class. Mm. You know, it should be. And that, that was Assange's idea, right? That's his idea. Is like if we expose, he wrote this essay. I read an article about it. He, if we expose the inner workings of our political class and we show that, that the level of deceitfulness that is involved in this game of chess, which now people are just saying, well, that's just the way it works. That's how it works in the modern world. You've got to be cutthroat and you've got to lie and you've got to trick and you've got to do all this shit. If we expose them, then what that hopefully is supposed to do is make them reform on their own or create what he called a the idea is you want it to be very expensive to lie. You want to, you want to, and you, and also he's created a situation where all of them are living in a terrible world of paranoia, which I think is kind of hilarious because like Assange has done to Hillary Clinton what the NSA has done to all of us, you know, like they've, they, he has all this fucking data and she doesn't know which data he has she doesn't know what he's got a lot of politicians have no idea what wikileaks has that's the strategy behind i think that's the strategy behind the trickling release of this information is because it's like the japanese water torture little drops mm. so that every day they have to sit and think fuck man they did they get those fucking pictures from the bohemian grove you, you know what the uh the rumors are right do you know the rumors about no. the release that there's going to be a bomb dropped on November 1st? That's the super awesome conspiracy rumor <laughs> deluxe of the day. Wow. That on November 1st, uh, anonymous WikiLeaks, Guy Fox himself, someone is going <laughs> to drop some huge fucking information bomb that's going to make Hillary Clinton like there the the rumor of course amongst conspiracy theorists is going to disqualify yeah. for the the election. I don't even know if that's possible at this point because she got away with that email scandal shit. Like that email stuff would have put anybody else in jail. Right. I mean, there's a, I, I posted something on Twitter the other day about a soldier who took photographs with his camera on his phone of some inner workings of a submarine and he's going to jail because of it. Just took photographs. There you of go. It. Um, what she did was infinitely worse. They're both government officials. That soldier. Yeah. And Hillary Clinton are both government employees, right? Right. The only difference being, of course, she's elected. Yeah. That's it. I mean, other than that, I mean, he works for the government, He's, but his responsibility to adhere to the rules has way more consequence than hers. What she did with those emails, like, no one is, no one is denying that it was illegal. No one is saying it was fine. And heard crazy talk about it being 30,000 yoga e emails yeah. just exacerbates the whole thing it's like listen they're gonna find out it wasn't really yoga and then what then what are you gonna say what are you gonna say yeah there were some yoga emails there was two of them there's right. two yoga emails yeah and then there's twenty eight thousand about benghazi right right then then what happens there's twenty eight thousand about man using drones on julian assange i mean she wanted to drone him yeah, well, I mean, I think, I mean, by she the way. She might have been joking. I'm not defending either of these creeps. They're creepy to me. Both of them give me the fucking heebie-jeebies, man. But, like, I do. Not I, Julian Assange. You're talking about Trump and Hillary, right? No, I'm talking about that monster Julian fucking Assange. He we gives got, you the creeps? No, I'm kidding. No, that would be the worst thing. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> I love him. I, I have a plan to, to help Julian Assange escape. I think I know a way to get him out of that fucking embassy if he wanted to leave. Like, I know how you could do it. Because, you know, you see him. How would you come, do that? So here's what I would do. So, like, you know, you see him come out to that little balcony and, like, yes. kind of look out in a sad way. Like, he doesn't have an internet. Fucking sucks. Yeah. So here's what you do. Schedule one of those flash mobs where, I don't know, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000. I'm putting my life on the line here. Please, fucking Clinton and Trump, don't kill me for saying this. I only want everyone to love a window of love. Get like 10,000 people to gather around that fucking embassy wearing that Guy Fox ma- mask, the anonymous mask. They're all wearing the anonymous mask and certain outfits. Are you, do you have a side business in anonymous masks? What? <laughs> Do you well, have a Guy Fawkes business? If you just go to DuncanTrussell.com, you my, can buy goes, a Guy Fawkes mask. It goes to my foundation. Oh, foundation. Uh, but so, so the uh, the idea is you get them to gather around it in some kind of mask and dress like Julian Assange and then just throw him a mask. So he like jumps out into this mob of people all dressed like him wearing this fucking Guy Fawkes mask and just vanishes into the crowd. Oh, that's a movie. That's Mission Impossible. I, yeah, I think it would work. That's ridiculous. With, I think because he's got access to the balcony. It means he could get down. You just got to pop a ladder to up real quick. Everyone's dressed like fucking anonymous. Everyone looks like Assange with the anonymous mask on. Yeah, look at that. Pop right off of that fucking balcony. Wow, that balcony's so close. So close. Just dive into a sea of people dressed in the anonymous masks and get just fucking Vanish into time, shave your fucking head, get Dude, a face tattoo. How does that guy sleep? I mean, wouldn't you be freaked out? The the fact that his door is that close to the the I mean, that's where the door is. That's where the ground is, right? Anybody could just jump up there and climb in. Yeah. This guy is hated. Hated by some of the biggest world leaders ever. That's his little tiny balcony. You live in a little Ecuador, a little embassy in the middle. Yeah, it sucks. In London. And he has to stay in that building. You know how he Because fu- when he's in that building, he's on foreign soil and they can't invade. It is insane. And he's been there for four fucking years. Four years, not going outside. You know how that guy fucking sleeps? He sleeps like a fucking hero. When that guy goes to bed, he goes to bed in the way that somebody who's like, I'm actually trying to help my species. Do you ever see him dance? I know. Pull that up. (laughs) You do this anytime we talk about him. Pull up Julian Assange dancing. No, there's nothing wrong with him. Nothing wrong with this. It's just... You you have to when you see someone dance like this, you have to always think, <laughs> Oh yeah. That guy dances like this. He dances this. like a goth. He's a goth. Yeah, I mean there's nothing wrong with dancing like that. There's nothing wrong with dancing like that. But you gotta be aware of everything. And that's something to be aware of. This is how Julian Assange dances. And he dances by himself like this. So that's another thing. You it's work not for just them, man. he's moving out into the dance floor and he's dancing by himself. Now now, let's let's be honest. He could easily be on drugs, in which case this is all forgivable behavior. He's definitely on drugs. He may be on ecstasy right now, or Molly, or he might be stoned out of his fucking mind on some pot cookies or on acid or something. But Look, he's he's uh, dancing in a very, very strange way. It's a goth dance. He's doing a goth gothic dancing. No, there's the... nothing wrong with it, man. Look, I dance strange. He's fucking Check weird. Check out my other videos. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people are weird. You know, there's nothing wrong with dancing weird, but you should know that. 
Listen, man, because of you, whenever I hear anything about Julian Assange, I do think about that dance video. Which, God forbid, my fucking dancing's ripped. God forbid. Yes, there's nothing wrong with the way he dances. I'm kidding. You know, if people think I'm serious. I know you're kidding. People I'm know kidding. you're joking. They people don't, know- man. People don't. I put up a, a thing today about uh, Flat Earth, and people thought that I was, like, serious about uh. the Flat Earth. I put, uh, put up this thing on Instagram about all the, the evidence that you're being brainwashed. And uh, one of them is if you really believe that the sun is millions of miles away. Like, <laughs> how to tell if you're brainwashed. Do you believe the earth is spinning uh, at a thousand miles an hour, uh, but you can't feel it? You believe the oceans are curving because gravity, in qu- air quotes, but you can't measure it. Right. You believe ships disappearing over the horizon are proof of the globe yeah. and not due to perspective. Yeah. You believe that pilots would not have to account for the Earth's curvature or spin while flying. Yeah, man. Yeah. Believe, <laughs> this is so I got to tell you, though, man, once I was getting, I, I was like, I was getting a massage and the massage therapist was a flat earther. Oh, no. And it was the best. I mean, it's like, what's better? It's like, I'm, you know, talking massages sometimes suck, but like, this is what like. What did she say? Well, what's funny about it? Is as she's like explaining flat earth theory to me, mm-hmm. I wanted to argue with her. Mm-hmm. And then I realized my understanding of cosmology is so terrible <laughs> that I couldn't come up with a persuasive <laughs> argument against it. Cause it's like. Well, the conspiracy argument is the best because you would think that everybody would have to be in on it. Everybody who's ever been a part of space travel, whether it's the Russians or the Chinese or the Americans, anyone who has ever been an astrophysicist yes, yes, has to be sure. in on it. This like one of the best fucking but tweets the conspiracy that I ever got one's from somebody. Gr- what was that? Was uh, someone saying I was a sellout because because uh, of my flat Earth hate, and we know where your checks are being cashed. They're, they're being they're, cashed they're, from they're the flat Earth. They're saying I'm getting like I'm getting shut up money from Ugh. the round Earth. The, the the round earth God, I'd love fund. To see, I'd, lo- I'd love to see that meeting. That's a fund. I'd love to see that meeting where like you and Sussman are sitting with like these reptilians and they're like, listen, Joe, you know the earth is flat. We no, they, know the earth is flat. They dangle the check in front of you and they go, the earth is? And you go, round, <laughs> sir. And you take the check. Yes, round. <laughs> Next. 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 Yeah, that's George good. Clooney coming here. Let me ask you the something. Earth is for real, round, though. For sir. real, for real, round. for real, man. For real, bro. If you knew the Earth was flat, like some, I don't know how you knew, like like fucking Dana White and or the people who run the UFC, they're like, look, man, it actually. I'd be the first to tell you. Okay, but I'd, if I'd you, be broadcasting you from the roof. Let's say you knew the Earth was it's flat. flat. Don't go but, too far. But let's say the lizards did visit. Let's say they did visit you. <sighs> What's your price to be a shill? Fifty how? bucks. What? Fifty. Fifty. Fifty is a good meal somewhere. <laughs> Get a steak, glass of wine. I don't ask a lot. I don't want to die. Look, you guys are lizards. You're lizard people. You're all powerful. You're gonna run this thing anyway. Just fifty bucks. That's I mean, you cool. don't want you don't want them to think you're unreasonable. Oh, he wants fifty million dollars. Or we just fucking eat him. Dude, Let's I, just eat him. I like fishing this stuff out of you because it spawns YouTube videos. <laughs> I think it's really funny. Of me being a Satanist? Yeah, because now someone Illuminati will. confirmed. Well, you guys yeah. are Illuminati because you did that thing at the UFC. We are Illuminati. I am Illuminati. I am in the, the I Illuminati. I didn't even know. <clears throat> I am in the Illuminati. Mm. It's great, man. Is it good? Do you get good benefits? What? Benefits? Yeah. Okay. Tell me later. What? Tell me later about the benefits, maybe? I don't know. Hmm. It's um, don't, don't ask, man. What about numerology? Is that real? Yes. Ooh, interesting. What are Masonry? You, what? Are you a Mason? A Freemason? Yes. Is there any other kind? Uh, hey, you guys, you and Ari. 
that guy behind me. There's a freaking fucking pyramids, and then you kissed. Yeah. The kissing part was probably one of the greatest moments uh, in UFC history. Yeah, that was great, man. Oh, shit. Can I tell you something I just found out? Yes. Okay, man. This is actually really cool. You should research this. Did I tell you about the Cacophony Society? No, what's that? Okay, man. So... The guys who, like, at least partially started Burning Man were called the Cacophony Society. Mm-hmm. And it was this group of people that do the funniest fucking things together. And it's really fascinating. They call it culture jamming. But, like, uh, for example, they do this. Have you ever heard of the Salmon Run? No, what's that? They dress up in giant salmon outfits and <laughs> run the wrong way in races. <laughs> That's hilarious. Dude, they, so so they, they run towards the crowd. They run just the where the opposite direction. So you'll see a marathon oh, and these salmon are running like the, there oh, it that. There is. That is so funny. <laughs> that's so funny. That's the cacophony. They're running upstream. They're high fiving people. Yeah. Yeah. And people let them go through. They're not mad. That's yeah, good. That's the cacophony society, man. They are. Uh, that's funny, man. But these are the guys who started Burning Man and Chuck Palinek, that's where he got the inspiration for Fight Club because he for was Burning Man? No, the Cacophony Society, because he was in the Cacophony Society. He was he's one of them. Mm. But like the their motto is you may already be a member and anybody can start their own branch. But it's like really, really funny. Like if you look up all the stuff they've done, man, it's really trippy. Like they said, they uh, one of the things they did was they set up clowns at every stop along a bus route. So that every time the bus picked people up, it picked up a new clown, but the clowns wouldn't acknowledge each other. Like they just happened to be getting on the same bus. Oh, fucking strange. It's cool though, because what it did, like, I mean, I'm not going to try to get into their, uh, their theory about it because they actually have a pretty deep philosophical, like, or it seems to be a fairly deep philosophy that a lot of it's really hard to understand for me. But uh, Dadaism is part of it and this concept of this thing called the zone. Actually, Hakim-based temporary autonomous zone is kind of related to this idea that you can create these little bubbles that temporarily sort of... Uh, where the normal rules of society just don't exist in that moment. And so people who get to be in that bubble with you get to experience a kind of respite from the never-ending flow of society, which can produce like huge changes in a person's life to suddenly no longer be afflicted with the humdrum, normal, day-to-day, materialistic, consumeristic bullshit that we call everyday life to create a tiny little bubble where that doesn't exist and where you're... Like, there are two rules... They don't, I don't know if you can call them rules, but their rules are you don't do a cacophonist event for money and you don't do it to promote your religion. So you're doing this for no reason other than like subversions for subversion's sake. So there's no, the, the profit that you're getting from it is just the incredible moment that you find yourself in a salmon outfit yeah. running the opposite way. But what it does is it temporarily disrupts the hypnotic trance that a lot of people are in like when they're living you know you're just and this is on by design that's what they're trying to do or they're just having fun it looks like they're just having fun running against the the crowd of marathon runners and they're in salmon outfits yeah it is for fun but then there's like theory behind it it's not actually like this is something that they've written out and contemplated and acted on there's a great book called tales of the cacophony society that i'm reading that's so fucking funny how long have they been around for uh, they've been around since the 
they were they're pre Burning Man, so I guess they've been around for like mid eighties or something like that. And prior to that, there was something called the Suicide Club, which was or they're an offshoot of this group in San Francisco called the Suicide Club, which was like an actual secret society that if you wanted to be a member, you had to get your affairs in order, like you were going to commit suicide. Whoa! Yeah, it's really cool and like, but <laughs> yeah, really cool. But uh, but then the the cacophony society sort of emerged. Their history is fucking hilarious, though. The history of them is so funny. And like, if you look at like the early Burning Man that the cacophonists were involved in, holy shit. They had like a drive-by shooting range. So like they would like drive in cars blasting <laughs> at targets. <laughs> Dude, they were launching flaming fucking pianos out of catapults out in the middle of the desert. Oh like, my god. Like they were and people were getting hurt, man. Like <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah, but like they were they were, they were like, you know, they were badass. And it sounds like if Hunter S. Thompson started a religion. Exactly. That's a great way to put it. And and I'll tell you, man, he probably knew of them. And if he didn't know of them, he would have been like, oh, I'm one of them. And like, can you be you could be one of them. You don't have to even join up. You start your own. We started a branch when today. Right. Well, when did we start one? Well, we just started a second branch. I started a branch. With who? We, we I say we, I we well, well, it's called the Ukrainian branch of the L.A. Cacophony Society. <laughs> And we uh, why Ukrainian? What? Why Ukrainian? Well, we had the last meeting. We had our we so we had our final meeting mm -hmm. at Gelson's on Hyperion. So you guys have meetings? Well, we had our last meeting. So we had the final meeting. Of How the, many meetings did you have all told? One. <laughs> <laughs> Who's we? <laughs> Me and a bunch of people. I just put it out on Twitter. Who are the people? Me, Brendan Walsh, uh, and then like a, a group of like uh, some other people from Burning Man who I know, and then just some people who responded to the tweet. But we and you guys all met at Gelson's in pajamas. We met at <laughs> <laughs> we met at Gelson's that we met at the oh. Gelson's noshing and imbibing bar in pajamas. Oh my god! And then uh, and then we did uh, we we did uh. So what we the plan was we met there we had drinks and it was automatically the most it was so weird driving to do it like I I'm like well you definitely have lost your mind man you're out of your fucking mind like this cacophony idea it's crazy I don't know why you're fucking doing this so I I uh, I ended up uh, thinking like you know I feel you feel crazy driving the Gelsons in pajamas so we uh we fucking you get there and all of a sudden the people at the bar are looking like what the fuck is happening like. Suddenly there's this group of people standing at the bar in fucking pajamas. And then uh and then What do your pajamas look like? I wore Captain America pajamas. So fuck yeah, Duncan. Yeah, but but then so then Good uh call. so then uh but then what we did is Brendan Walsh, because uh, like he was the like we had him give the speech. You know, because like I was like, everybody, I don't want the this meeting, our final meeting, to be cut up, and how Brendan Walsh ruined uh, the Ukrainian branch of the LA Cacophony Society. So let's just not think <laughs> about that. And then he gives a speech, and he reads the entirety of Tiger Woods' cheating apology. <laughs> so suddenly, this dude in pajamas is reading Tiger Woods' cheating apology in front of a group of people in pajamas. Who, whenever Brendan would say one of like Tiger's weird apologies. Everyone would applaud and then shush ourselves at the same time. So it's like clapping, like shh, let him talk, let him talk. And so, and then we sang, we sang fucking, do you want to build a snowman from Frozen? And then we fucking left. 
That's and, but, perfect. But, Did you film it? Well, we have some. Yeah, we have. Did you have film a film of this? I have a film of it. I'll send it to you. I don't Please know where it is. Do. It's not online, but but yeah, man, that's what we did. Wear pajamas or bathrobes. We will tell stories of the good times our society shared. Offer final toasts and sing. Do you want to build a snowman? Meet at noshing and imbibing the Gelson's bar. Holy shit! Bring sleeping bags. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that is so ridiculous. It, it was it was really fucking great. We were gonna do another meeting though. We're gonna have you are. Well, yeah, we're gonna have a meeting of the new, uh, br- the the new branch, the new Ukrainian branch of the L.A. Cacophony Society. But we haven't figured out what that is yet. But why is it new- Ukrainian? What? Why Ukrainian? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> They have to be the whole point of the thing though, which is really beautiful that so like cuz I got on the all this shit happening because like I realized like okay Well burning man was the coolest thing I ever experienced and then I traced that back to the cacophony society And then I kept hearing this guy's name John law John law John law So like I found him and uh, I emailed him and then he just wrote back like yeah Just call me here's my number and then I called him and then he we we started talking about how he like what the events were like and he said the main thing about it is the inclusivity. He's like, this is what makes it so cool is that we like that if you really form a branch, this is more of an experiment, but if you really do it, then everybody who decides to participate, they uh, they come up with their own events, you know? So like everyone's like, all right, we're going to be doing this next Tuesday. If you want to come, come. If you don't, don't come. The following Tuesday, we're going to be doing this. But there's no like pushing people out. It's like if whoever wants to be involved, let them be involved. And then everyone kind of gathers together in this little weird bubble that forms, which is like, dude, when you're in pajamas at Gelson's watching people, it's what we were talking about earlier. What is the sane way to live, right? Mm. So when you're in Gelson's wearing pajamas, singing, do you want to build a snowman? And you look out and people are kind of like walking with their shoulders down to buy their evening groceries. And they're just kind of like, look over at you. They get the biggest smile on their face. They don't know what's fucking happening. We don't know what's happening, but it feels so cool. It's like a really like exciting moment of like really minor rebellion that has no impact ultimately in the flow of society but in that tiny moment it's like fuck we're in zero gravity here man (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean a coordinated effort like that with a bunch of people in pajamas singing do you want to build a snowman out of nowhere would make everybody smile. Yeah. It's one of those, like, what in the fuck are these guys doing? Yeah. And dude, you'd look over because like it was right next to the deli. So like people were like sitting at the deli pretending to like be eating their dinner, but they kept looking over at like Brendan giving the Tiger Woods speech. But that's the other, (laughs) that's the other cool idea that they came up with, man, which was, um, it's like the way we do entertainment right now is so weird because it's like. And, and I guess thank God for it because it's our jobs. But like people pay a cover and they go in and there's the audience that sits and the audience that, and, the, and the comedian that talks or the entertainer that talks. And there's this weird distance between the two. And it's like so that relationship between entertainer and entertained, their idea is like, let's merge it together so that we're entertaining right. each other. 
for no reason other than like, let's just fucking get together and like see what happens, you know? Now this was a non-risky thing. Like a lot of their thing is like elevate the risk, elevate the risk, elevate mm. the risk to, to the, the more you elevate the risk, the more it's like a crucible kind of that really brings people together, which is I think the idea of taking people out to the fucking desert originally. It's like, let's just take a group of these people. Launch flaming pianos with a catapult. <laughs> yeah. I want to bring up before I forget, Brendan Walsh is one of my favorite stunts that he did. This is this is, gives you an indication of what kind of sense of humor he has. He put a fake Whole Foods sign yeah. in Silver Lake. Yeah. He wanted people to think that a Whole Foods was coming to Silver I mean, there might be one now, but he did this a long time yeah. ago. Yeah. And there was a lot. It was an empty lot. So he had a sign made with the Whole Foods logo, yeah. put coming soon on it. Yeah, there it is. And he set it up on the fence, and people were so psyched. Yep. That is Brendan Walsh, man. That's what his sense of humor is like. It's yeah. so cool. And, dude, he, uh, he, um, that's why when I read this book. Look at this right there. Look at the top of it. Did the Silver Lake Whole Foods hoax prankster reveal his plans on a podcast? <laughs> oh, he did it on uh, What the Fuck with Mark Marin. That's when he uh, he revealed it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. He's so fucking he's funny. He's so funny, man. He's such a trip. He's so and it, dude, he commits to this. The other oh, thing yeah. that he does is he fully commits to this. And like, I, like, I mean, I'm not saying like he does a lot of stuff, and he doesn't care if people know. And that is to me another really cool thing about he's him. He's a funny comic too. Yeah, he's oh, a funny dude. He's all a, around funny dude. Like funny yeah. dude for that kind of shit. Just. The way his mind works. What did he do recently? He he went up somewhere. I want to say it's the improv, maybe. And he had them introduce him as one of his friends. He went up <laughs> and he did that guy's act. <laughs> <laughs> he told that guy's jokes. He pretended he was him. <laughs> That's so he's good. So fucking silly. Yeah, so silly. Yeah, and he commits a hundred percent, man. Because yeah. like when you're standing in fucking pajamas and a goddamn <laughs> Gelson's reading Tiger Woods ten minute <sighs> cheat speech and oh. you don't back down, mm. it's cool. But anyway, yeah, Tales from the Cacophony Society. You guys look into it, man, because it's pretty cool. And anyone can form a branch. Anyone listening, you can start your own branch. You could just do it, and it's yeah. really fun. Sounds like fun. I don't know about the Ukrainian thing though. Well, why? They might have a copyright on that. What? You might not be able to call something Ukrainian. Well, that was our last meeting, so it doesn't matter. It's oh, okay. Over. Well, you've resolved your differences with the Ukraine, yeah. so we'll let it go. Yeah, it's over. You know, you were um, talking about Burning Man before the podcast. We were on the phone and we were talking about it, and I said, dude, we shouldn't even talk about it until we talk about it on the podcast. Right. Because you were, you were ranting about Burning Man as if you had seen the Messiah. You ear found beating. utopia. Yeah. No, it wasn't an ear beating at all. No, it was great. Your, look at that picture. That's yeah. Amazing. Isn't that fucking cool? Like right that that right behind that is uh, right behind that is this incredible, just never-ending field of art. So behind that, and those lights, those right? lights are all LED lights shining on the fucking art that people are spending all year building for no other reason than to fucking bring it out there and give people like just beautiful beautiful art like that I, I had no idea it was so lit up oh my god i mean that you can't ca the, the crazy thing about burning man is you can't capture it in pictures like you've just got to go there because if you see the pictures it kind of seems ridiculous or dusty or whatever but my god man we should do a documentary 
Has anybody done a documentary on Burning yeah, Man? Yeah, yeah. There's, of they have, there's right? tons of people who come there. Right, but, but we should do a documentary on it. Dude, how about this? How about just a... Like you, we should take someone to Burning Man that would never go to Burning I Man. I have an idea. You Alex ju- Jones. You just come. That's all. No documentary. You just come and we'll spend a week having fun there. Because, dude, you... Like, here's an example. This is one of my favorite fucking places there. It's called... There's a so it's all free bars. Like there's just bars. People put up free bars. It's free booze. Nothing. No, you can't buy anything there. So one of the uh, bars, and forgive me uh, if I if I say the title wrong because now it's a little fu- fuzzy in my mind. It was my favorite bar, and it was called the something like the Ministry of Disinformation. But it's set up to look like an information booth. And so we're riding by on these. You ride around bicycles. My friends who have been there forever, they're like, dude, go to that bar and they'll just lie to you. Like, that's all they do. The bartenders just lie to you. That's hilarious. So like you go there and you like, so like you sit and they're so good at lying to the point where, because everyone knows that they lie. So people come there to get lied to. (laughs) And so like you go there to get lied to, but they know everyone knows that they're lying and they lull you in to thinking they're done with the lying part, right? So like we're sitting there drinking, me and and Cora are sitting there drinking and like, you know, the guys like made some pretty obvious lies and then we're drinking. He's like, hey, so we we really feels like, oh yeah, okay. Now we're just talking like friends. He's like, so hey, do you you guys want to try some uh, vodka that like uh, I homebrew and we're like yeah we'd love to try some and so like he pours it and we drink it and, and he, we're like wow this is actually really good man you should you could probably sell this stuff like are you going to start selling it and he's like yeah yeah we're uh, we worked out a deal with uh, South Korea you uh, slap an American flag on anything out there and they'll buy anything <laughs> and we're like wait wait oh Wait, you're still lying to us. Like, you didn't make this vodka. You're just lying. He's like, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. Look, look, look. Then he pulls his phone up, and there's pictures of, like, this is the still that I used to build it. And it's this ridiculous still (laughs) that, like, definitely, definitely isn't like a fucking still. Like something from the Dukes of Hazzard? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then you realize, like, oh, my fucking. And then you're like, you're still lying. Like, you haven't been telling the truth. And he's like, listen, man. I'm not good at lying. Like, I just, like, my friends do this thing. Like, I come here. I'm not good at lying. I just tell the truth when I'm up here. And, like, other people will lie to you here, but I definitely don't do that. So they go deep and they commit. And it's, but it's, it's not malicious. It's real, both are, it's a very funny thing. And that's one tiny little part of it. Like, imagine that spread out over and over and over and over again with just different types of, like, bars or art imagine like let's say and you know i don't take psychedelics and if i talk about it on the podcast i do it as a joke because i want to seem cool but imagine if you were in the middle of the fucking desert on psychedelics that had just started kicking in on your bicycle covered in led lights surrounded by other people and blinking led lights on their bicycles and you're sitting in front of what appears to be a massive brass what is either a locust a firefly some kind of grasshopper cricket sculpture on top of another cricket sculpture that has combustible gas exploding out of it so that it's and it's like 10 feet 15 feet high with combustible gas exploding out of it so it's making this I heard Elon Musk has the dopest ride there. He's got a yacht that like just goes around through fucking Burning Man and and, and like he has discos on it, right? 
Yeah, and anyone can get on. That's the other thing about it, man, is it's like this is it's the idea of the thing is it's pure inclusivity. That's the idea is it's like this is just everybody sharing. There you go. That's so crazy. <laughs> it just rides through the desert. You climb on, they'll give That's you so amazing. They'll give you drinks. You just like chill out. Wow. It, it's like the whole thing is like a gifting economy is what they call it. So like everyone's just giving stuff to Dude, each other. That sounds other. amazing. It's the best. It really truly is the okay, fucking best. Okay, so here's here's the question. Can this go from here to uh, a city? Can 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 you develop a city like this? Well, they they do have so like n n I think the answer to that is right now probably not. But you but can, why not? Because it's resource based. Because it's it's more like okay, imagine like a flower that once a year blooms. Right. So that's what you could say. That's maybe what Burning Man is. Is like d during the year, lots of people are like getting together. And planning like what they're gonna. I'm I'm planning with my fucking Burning Man camp, the Enchanted Booty Forest. We're planning our uh, art car for next year, and that's gonna take all year to figure out what it's gonna be and how to do it and how to put it together and how to get the money. I told you, you spent too much time with Burning Man. <laughs> you fried your fucking brain. It's become your life now. It's every year is just downtime, downtime, downtime. Burning Man. Well, I mean, I will say. I mean, I know it. It truly is the most embarrassing thing. I know I sound like that guy in that brilliant YouTube video that someone made parodying the ear beatings that Burning Man people give their friends. Have you seen that? No. Oh, do you, please pull this up. No, we can't play it. We'll get yanked. Oh my God. Look up. So it. look up, it. look up the YouTube video. So how was Burning Man? And it's like this guy in fucking goggles and Burning Man attire being like, how was Burning Man? You're going to ask me, how wasn't Burning Man? It's a better question. It's everything. Because you really do, like when you're there, you're like, oh my God. Yeah, that guy just like ranting to his fucking girlfriend. That's what you turn into. <laughs> He's got the goggles on, those dirt goggles, which I guess you have to have. Did you wear them like uh, yeah, you Mad have Max? To, you have to wear them because the, they're these fucking dust storms kick up. And like, but I'll tell you, man. How crazy is that? You have to wear dust goggles. Here's the craziest thing about it, though. With all that being said, there's a place there called the Temple. And it's all of these are like a lot of these are built by like genius architects the temple i can't remember how much it, they said it cost to build like it might have been like seventy-five thousand or seven hundred and fifty thousand. i can't remember it's this incredible like you can pull it up look up the temple burning man 2016 uh, or you can look at all the different versions there 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 that's it so you so everyone's like so everyone's like go to the temple and but it's really heavy when you go there. So we didn't even know what they were talking about. So you pedal in and you see people standing in front. Like people seem to be crying, people are hugging each other. Dude, you go into that thing and it's filled with pictures of people who've died that year before. Baby clothes, pictures of dogs, pictures of like it's where people go to burn they're the to grieve for people who've died in their lives man and so you walk into that place and this is in the middle of this incredible festival you walk into that fucking place man and like you just you start you just start crying like people in there because you can feel this like just nexus of grief bubbling up and it's the most intense crate the only time i've ever felt that kind of energy is in a place called Varanasi in India where they like burn bodies there. It's that same kind of like sweet 
grief of people mourning. But then that's the last thing they burn at Burning Man. And whoever's left when they burn it, which is probably like 60,000, 50,000 people, they all sit around it completely silently. They sit around it silently. You might hear someone playing a flute in the distance or something, but it's just, imagine 50,000 people sitting around that thing on fire quietly as embers of all these pictures of people who've died the year before go or who whenever they've died go flying through the air and then when it finally burns to the ground the entire group of people they howl like dogs wow yeah yeah and that's the end of burning man holy shit <laughs> yeah dude so cool well this is growing at a staggering rate every year what's to stop these people from claiming a city like, if everybody just decided, like, hey, let's all move to Portland, if all those people that are Burning Man type folks yeah. just decided to try to have the same sort of impact on a community, yeah, that's not outside the realm of possibility, right? Well, it's already happening. Where I mean, is it happening? Well, it's happening wherever there's people who've been influenced by that festival who come right. back into the world and try to not be such selfish shitheads when they're in the world, or maybe try not to waste so much stuff. Or, like, it's also happening because you, like realize like oh fuck this is not only a festival this is preparing for the fucking p possible economic collapse because if we can all get together and survive in the desert in this way and work together then there is a possibility you know actually i went to see alex and allison gray they were painting at the dr bronner's camp they were painting a mural there dr bronner's soap hemp soap dr bronner has a camp there called refo yeah, yeah, dr bronner's soap they have a camp there called refomation right and so they basically are just hosing down all these filthy, like, Burning Man people out in the, de in the desert to clean them up, right? So, like, uh, after they hose them down, there's a, uh, they've constructed a tent where there's a DJ playing music, and it's dripping water down, and everyone's naked dancing, and Alex and Allison Gray are painting uh, this beautiful mural in that tent. And so, like, we, you know, Cor and I went to visit them, and we walked up. And like, you know, those guys are so fucking cool, man. But then Alex like starts was talking to me and he's like, you know what this is, right? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, Dr. Bronner's family was in Auschwitz where they had the showers. And so this is the opposite of the showers at Auschwitz because it's like naked people in real showers dancing to music in this like fucking super loving environment so their well, idea was to mirror the holocaust <clears throat> or to create like not that you could do that but to create like some like a, a response to it that was like here's what it could look like instead of gassing people there could be a dj dripping yeah that's wow. what they do they spray you down but anyway man um uh yeah like you know one of the things uh alex gray was saying is like uh this is the seed of a global civilization well it what, seems to be it seems to be that could be there's something going on, man. There's a shift. There's a consciousness shift. I mean, there's, there's far reaches on both sides. I mean, there's people that are resisting it hardcore. There's a lot of hardcore Trump fans that are resisting, you know, yeah. illegal immigrants, and they want they want yeah. they, they want hardcore like Republican values. There's yeah. a, lot, a lot of people that are like still clinging to that. But then there's a lot of people that were going the Bernie Sanders way, way too. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that are realizing why you watch these two duke it out like King Kong versus Godzilla. Yes. What's interesting is the real loser is the system itself. Our wow. confidence in the system. Our confidence in the system is at an all-time low. And people that are your age and older people like me, I'm 49. What are you, 43 now? 42. 42. 
Now we, we're I'm considered 42. we're like middle aged folks. Yeah. Whether we like it or not. But the, we grew up with no internet and then we were exposed to the internet and now we're seeing things like WikiLeaks. The kids of today, they're going straight WikiLinks from fucking high right. school. Right. right? They yeah. they knew about that in high school. They they watch all the videos in high school. Yeah. Those are the ones that I get the most upset about when someone posts a video about the flat earth or any kind of fucking right. stupid shit where you're gonna waste a lot of time paying attention to nonsense right not the world's goddamn round they have a lot of video of it you can just go around it in a satellite you right. can go around in a jet it's not a fucking hoax right. stop thinking about that it's a waste of time yeah there's a lot of other shit to concentrate on but you'll get lost in that you'll get lost mm. in that and that upsets me that that pisses me off right and I've been responsible for it myself. Sure, on this podcast, we've said a lot of Sometimes, shit that turned out not certainly, be true. Certainly, but it's but you know it's te usually our obsessions are temporary. But I think hopefully you, I like what you said that the system's kind of shortchanging itself. It reminds me of uh, I just watched. It's on Netflix now. It's Louis Theroux's uh, Crazy Weekend. I think is what yes. it's called. And you saw the one with Al Sharpton. Yes. And he's talking to Al Sharpton, and he's like, "I feel like I let you down by not getting arrested." And Al Sharpton's response was, "You let yourself down by not getting arrested." And 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 uh, the, and and then at the end of, oh, I don't want to do a spoiler, but spoiler. Yeah, you know what, man? Now I'm thinking I don't I don't didn't see that one. I've seen, I saw a bunch of them I binge watched so before the, he came so on the first time. The the fucking uh, this episode is about uh, black. What are they? Black power people? Blacks? I don't know. I don't Black think, Lives Matter? No, it's like before that. This is like Nation of Islam. This is like pe like the one of the guys Louis was hanging out with was like a hardcore, like black. He hated white people. White people are the devil. You're the devil. Like, uh, but he was actually really sweet at the same time. You know, he's like really smart too. This is a guy I can't remember his name. Doctor Khalid. Uh, he he actually. Um, I looked him up because I was really wanting to like follow him on Twitter, but he died of an aneurysm. But whoa, what a crazy, hardcore, charismatic guy who wants like the United States to give back a swath of land to, to black people so that they can go live there. And like, but you know, Louis Theroux is such a likable guy that you could see that they were both kind of liking each other when they weren't, you know what I mean? And it was mm. really sweet to watch and really cool. But you could also see that he was being moved by recognizing how much a lot of these people have gone through and how fucked up it could be. And this is before any of this shit happened with the recent police shootings. This was a, another police shooting in 2001. And yeah. they were going to go march about, and, and Sharpton was going to get arrested. But then, so anyway, like, yeah, like Sharpton was like, you you let yourself down by not being part of this, by not getting arrested. It's like, it's, it's true, man. While these people are up there fighting like those fucking goddamn cats that the crow lured into a fight while they're up there debating and fighting and and we're our eyes are fixated on that we can easily lose track of all the stuff that we have definite control over which is we don't need to uh we don't need to be so selfish you don't need to be so selfish and if you start experimenting with giving stuff away because you you guaranteed man there is stuff that you have that you don't need you literally don't need like in your garage that you covet kind of like there's shit you covet that you don't need you're not going to use or you have like a hoarder mentality where you're like well i might sell it one day right or who knows i'm going to definitely need this vibrating bed one day or whatever the fucking thing is that you have you don't need it 
So you could do an experiment where you try to give it away, not to a not to a charity or foundation, but you figure out someone in your community who maybe needs that thing for real, mm. like someone who could actually use it. It doesn't have to be some lofty thing either. Maybe you got like an old fucking Xbox in your garage and your friend doesn't have an Xbox. Give your friend the Xbox just for fun. You could do these little experiments. And when you do it, wow, it feels good. It like is a really great feeling to start offloading shit you don't need into the community of friends and family and people around you who are fucking some people really need stuff, man. And like it won't hurt you at all. And so that that to me is like when you talk about, well, can we could Burning Man turn into a civilization? I don't know. Probably not. Like, you know who? Um, well, I won't say who it is, but one of my friends was out there and he works out there and I'm like not high on psychedelics but i'm looking around and i know he's been going there for a long time and i'm like could this become society and he's like no he's like if these people were out here for more than four weeks they'd start killing each other <laughs> now whether he's probably right whether we're not ready for that yet we're ready for a couple weeks at a time a couple weeks at a time but but it's one, only 52 in a year yeah and, and in the meantime you can actually just kind of start experimenting with not being selfish. Yeah. You know? Or well, how about instead of looking at it as a negative, just experiment with being generous. Ah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So think of generosity as the ability to drop little love bombs. Yeah. You know, that's that's how I've always tried to approach it. I've seen you it do it, bombs. man. Those aren't little fucking love bombs you leave. I've seen, not to like, I've seen some fucking weeping waitresses when I turn back to look as you're walking away, man. And like that thing that you're doing there, um, that thing that you're doing, that's it. Like that thing, everyone can do that. You don't have to be yeah. the host of the UFC to be able to, you, you, so like, <clears throat> it, God, forgive me. <laughs> Birdie, but, but man. This is, I tried to explain this to someone who was saying that it was a stupid thing to do. I was like, you, you have to think of, you know, they were saying that like, they're going to expect it. Uh, every time a rich person goes there, they're going to expect larger tips, right. and it's really not proportionate to the service that they've given you. But you make someone happy. You make someone happy, and you don't feel the difference. The difference between you leaving a one number on a check for a tip, and they go, oh, that was a good tip, or another one, and they go, holy shit. Like, now they feel really good. Like, they just got a gift. Like, that's what the tip thing is. The tip thing's that's a it. gift. That's it. I mean, it's that's It's one of the rare things that we have in our culture, where you could express gratitude in a numerical amount. I mean, I'm not saying that's the only way to express gratitude, because of course there's a way to express it with your words and your, you know, your love and all that good stuff. But you can express gratitude in a tip form, yeah. where you, you, there's a number you can attach to it. Yeah. Like someone, if you have a, if the bill is fifty bucks and you leave fifty bucks, people go, holy shit. And to a lot of people, the difference between a hundred dollars in your bank and fifty dollars in your bank is not really. You're probably not going to feel that. For know? some people, you will. But some you people, don't. you will. But I, you know, I was just. If you can do it. I went to visit my dad in Florida, and uh, my, my girlfriend and I, we went to this uh, arcade that gives out tickets, like one of those arcades that dispenses tickets. You know what I'm talking about? Like, uh -huh. you play fucking skee ball or whatever. You like, it's like a, a little, it's like a casino for babies, right? So it prints these fucking tickets out. You take the t tickets to the counter, and you get like 
a piece of shit thing that you'll never use, like a nasty, like, bear made of, like, Chinese asbestos or something, you know? So, like, the exchange is dumb anyway. So these tickets, we ended up accruing this massive pile of fucking tickets, right? And so we're standing there looking at this junk, and then I look down. And I'm sure other people out there have done this. There's like a kid who's got a tiny little bit of tickets and he's like looking at like the candy, the the little bit of tickets. And I'm like, hey, kid, take this. Gave him this huge fucking stack of tickets. Dude, the look on that kid's face and him and his brother like, oh, my God. (laughs) That, you know, that look is way more valuable than any kind of piece of shit behind the counter, right? Of course. That is the essence of it, man. It's like the, 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 when you drop these love bombs off, this is not a one-sided thing. You're walking away feeling really good because you know what you just did. You impacted a person's week. This, this person might not have money to get their kids fucking groceries that week, man. Now they do. They might not have been able to make rent. Now they can. You're walking away having created that shift in a person's universe. As temporary as it may be, it's still a shift in the direction of the positive, right? So what you've done there, as far as I'm concerned, is a kind of magical act, a kind of miracle. And any anyone can do this, man. Like, you... you like. Dude, there were like people who would go around with like spray bottles and just spray your sunglasses off for you, which out in the desert is really important because all the sand gets caught in there mm. and you can't fucking see. That's what they had to give. You know, it was just like helping you in that way. But just that was still fucking cool, man. Right. So they're just they're giving a service to people and they don't expect anything out of it. That's it. They're just doing it for love. You can do anyone can do that. There is yeah. definitely something you can do that you're not doing and you're not doing it not because you're selfish you're not doing it just because you haven't even realized you can do it it's like having a superpower that you're not aware of which is like fuck just give something away like it does just give something away you don't need that shit whatever it is just give the fucking thing away super hippie (laughs) hello (laughs) duncan trussell yeah you're the anti-trump when are you going to run for president, Duncan? When are you going to run when for are you fucking... Gonna run? Why don't you why, do don't, it? Don't, why don't you do you it? never ask a question or answer a question with a question. That's rude. That's a poor taste. Well, I, well I'll tell you, man. Um, my hope is that we, that, that we, you and I will run. No. no, no, no <laughs> I'm just no. kidding. Move. we got to get out of here before it blows up. Get out of here. Maybe Hawaii. Hawaii's going to blow up. No, 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 no. Hawaii's going to be fine. This well, thing, this thing, this... America, you think it'll continental think United Putin's States, America. I don't know if this is gonna work, dude. I'm looking at this election. I'm like, this this thing is just it's too volatile. Good, let it fucking collapse. I, I, by, <gasps> well, what no, have I, you said if it fucking collapses, what about well, the children? The people are gonna be. What you, about the infrastructure? You know, I just had this conversation the with the grid. I had this conversation with uh, Chris Ryan on my podcast. We got to do a shrimp parade soon. I, and, All right, and he said that uh, he was talking about how post. You know, after disasters, everybody gives to each other and people are very kind. So if there was some kind of economic collapse, some calamity or something, then I think what people would suddenly realize is like what would happen is the pendulum that swings in front of the eyes of the sum total of all people in this country and convinces us of the importance of this small group of secretive people, maybe for a second that thing stops swinging and we like look away from it and look at each other and we realize like, oh shit, we've got each other. 
we're going to be okay. The fantasy of the fucking people like, grab your guns, go rob the rich people, all that stuff. The idea that it's going to be some kind of like the L.A. riots times a million. You realize like, oh, no, that's not what it's like at all. It's like we can help each other together. I can help you. You can help me. We didn't need them as much as we thought we did. We maybe we didn't need them at all. We've got the fucking roads. There's people who know how to fix roads. I know how to do stuff. You know how to do You're stuff. You're such a super hippie. We need the fucking system. God damn it. We need <laughs> trucks to bring in vegetables. We sure. need a sewage system that sure. works. We need power. We need direct TV. <laughs> yes, I yes. need programs. Yes. Programs. <laughs> I need to watch my programs. <laughs> I need my fucking I need a refrigerator Westworld. that works. God damn it. I need, I need a fucking. I do need Westworld. I need a hospital that's clean. Yeah. You do need that. But guess what? It could still happen. It could still happen. It can really happen. Mm, I think. You're such a hippie. There's no hospitals in that Burning Man. There's just no, goggles they have and actually, goggle no, cleaners. Actually, in the, they do have like a full hospital a triage? At, at Burning Man. No, I, I didn't go visit it, but they say they have like a like a urgent care medical facility there that's really nice, and they wow. fucking need it too. Because like you think I'm a fucking super hippie, man. Do you think they have like a checkbox? Like, do you have an injury or are you freaking out, man? Well, that's the I'm freaking out, man. But no, that's the Zindo project that Maps is doing. So one of the cool things that Doblin is doing is they have a thing called Zendo, which is, this, it's called psychedelic harm reduction. And so they create, like in the Porta Johns at Burning Man, there are these signs that they put up that say, uh, night a little, night a little weirder than you expected, <laughs> like come here. And so like you go to this place and it's like, dude, like you got to have this guy on your podcast. His name's, uh, uh, Dr. Cole Marta, he's a psychiatrist who's like one of the people involved in the MDMA for PTSD um, uh, experiments that they're doing there in the phase three of the clinical trials maps is. But so he volunteers at the Zendo. But basically what happens is it's the safe space that Doblin's created where you go there if you're freaking out. And you're like, am I going to get fucking arrested? And they're like, no, man, just just sit down and relax. And like, these are trained. This guy, Cole Marta, man, like they're smart, trained clinicians. And if they're not clinicians, they pe they're people who've been through this program who just sit with you and let you freak out without judging you and like just sit with you and let you relax until you're having an okay time again. And then they let you go back. So instead of like losing your shit and like getting arrested or losing your shit and being around your friends who are like what the fuck's wrong with you man you get to be around like really smart trained people who know how to how to like not just like help you relax but help you use this event to like transform your life because a lot wow. of times a bad trip is like a transformative moment for someone right. if they're around the right people that's amazing. Yeah. Maps is incredible. I know, man. They've done so much cool shit. And Rick Doblin's just such an interesting guy. I've had him on twice. Had a chance to talk to him on the podcast twice. He's such a fascinating dude. He's a warrior, man. When you look at the how much he spent his entire life. Like, you know, we sit here. And we fucking rail against the system and ah, marijuana and like, ah, but Doblin, man, he's like on the front lines. Like yeah. this guy is like mm -hmm. deeply, deeply involved in and this. He's doing it the right way. Yeah. He's he doing is. it through the system. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. It is cool. It's interesting. Like he was de detailing like 
getting it passed and what was going to be entailed and getting this yeah. therapy through and then yeah. what would be next and how it's, it's a long-term thing they're doing over long many many years oh god he gave like he gave a talk at burning man that was just like when you like he's just detailing the like the war on drugs and like why it's happened and what it is and then like his step-by-step plan and then you realize like this guy is in a f- phase three phase three of clinical trials which never happens like with a a schedule one substance that theoretically could like the the results that they're getting are very good but if people who have ptsd if they go to the doctor the doctor will be like well i'll prescribe xanax and maybe they'll give you like cognitive behavior therapy or something but like the idea that there might be a way to give someone um MDMA. MDMA mixed in with like a specific type of therapy and that that could actually, I don't want to say cure, but reset their mind. Yes. Yeah. To lift the, this, the weight of, of this horror off of them, or at least to allow it to like Doblin explained why he thinks it works. I'm not going to try to repeat it, but the idea that this could work for real is just the most incredible thing, man. That guy would, he should get a Nobel Prize. I think he did explain it on this podcast, didn't he? Did, do you remember, Jamie? I don't remember either. I, th- I feel like he did, though. I feel like he explained how it works. It's like you're, when you, it, apparently it's something to do with short-term, long-term memory. So when you have a traumatic event, it gets stuck in short-term memory. Somehow it's looping there. It's not getting filed away in the right mm. way. God forgive me, everyone listening, Doblin, Colmart, whoever I'm ruining this in front of. But <laughs> like, it like, it apparently something about uh, revisiting the experience under the influence of MDMA causes it to somehow be refiled in the right part of your brain again so it's not sticking out in the forefront of your experiences so it's not like right it, the, the thing isn't always there like a flashbulb light or something Isn't it another thing that's infuriating i mean that's almost to me as infuriating as teenagers getting hooked on flat earth videos it's more infuriating even that this has always been there. This has always right. been there. This has always been there and they made it illegal and all these people that suffered could have could have gotten relief through this a yeah. long time ago. That's right. A long time ago. I know, man. If they just recognized this early on and been super objective about it, look, look, we clearly have an issue with PTSD in soldiers and policemen and people that have gone through domestic yeah. abuse. There's a lot of people with PTSD. They can, this can literally change the course right. of our nation. But Dude. to keep up the fucking DEA's corrupt system, to keep up this nasty business of arresting people yeah. for the wrong kind of drugs while they're selling drugs everywhere you look, to keep up that system, they literally stop something that would have helped everybody. Man, can I just, I mean, I don't work for MAPS. I have no reason. Can I do a plug for them real quick? Yeah. So, guys, if you actually want to chip in to something super fucking cool, go to the MAPS website. Right now, they are raising money because Doblin has got to manufacture, I can't remember, something like five kilograms of MDMA for the phase three trial. Oh, so you can, you can go to MAPS and actually chip in to, to have buy it, ecstasy. To, to have it, well, to get ecstasy, to get MDMA to vets who wow. are, are people with PTSD. And it's a really cool thing if you want to chip in money cool. for it. Super fucking cool. Like, that's like how often do you get a chance to buy MDMA for people with PTSD? That's amazing. Yeah, it's cool. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's really fucking cool, man. Because uh, they have Maps like is incredible. They have a supply of old MDMA, and I think it's like they can't use it anymore. Look at it's that. Expensive. They've already raised one hundred forty-eight thousand dollars. 
Yeah, but they need they need, need four hundred thousand dollars for five kilograms of MDMA. Well, let's see what we could do. See if we can get some donations going. Maps.org. This is my kind of telethon. Come on, yeah. guys. Come on, let's folks. Raise money We're going to be MDMA. like those annoying people on public radio. <laughs> I was listening to this uh, McKenna interview once, and he was on public radio. It was a recording of him on public radio, and it was so annoying. Oh, and no. it was like, if you enjoy this program, please donate. They have that weird way of talking where it's just as gross as a strip club DJ. Because, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. there's a way of talking when you're yeah. talking about public radio. If yeah. you enjoy this show, you yeah. enjoy these programs, yeah. please donate. We require your donations. It's the only way we stay afloat. If you appreciate this show, if you appreciate Fresh Air with Terry Gross, that will be coming up later. <laughs> It's the Portlandia affectation. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, no, it's, it's national public radio speak. Yeah. It's, I am a super sensitive guy. I am a liberal. I'm absolutely left. I lean left. That was what that guy in Canada used to talk about, the guy who was accused of beating the fuck out of these girls that he was having sex with. Remember that guy? John Gomeshi? They kicked, him off, they kicked him off the radio show because all these women were claiming that they had uh, sex with him and he would like beat them up and shit. Oh, yes. I yeah. do. Yes. He would talk like this. Ugh. Hello. The speak. Welcome Dude, to I, the show. I gotta go take a leak. I'm please, sorry. Please go urinate. Thank it's you. fine. There's Thank no you. judgment. I have to go urinate. There's Excuse no me. judgment. There's no judgment. <laughs> Everything's cool. No judgment. No judgment here in... A few moments, we're going to ask once again that you call the number on the screen, donate. It's very important. Donate. We require your donations to stay afloat here. If you enjoy The State of Ferns today, which is our, our new piece that we're working on, love, happiness, and Whole Foods. It's Duncan Trussell and Brendan Walsh. They have a piece they're putting together for us. Duncan's become a super hippie. Have you noticed? Something's different. The Burning Man. Yeah, they I got found him. the, they the got him. hospital they have there. This is from 2014, but they have a cool looking. 300 employees in a hospital that has 52 beds. Wow. So it's at an actual hospital, Humboldt General Hospital employees come and help people. They have tickets for Burning Man too, right? Isn't yeah, like I think you have to buy them now. Doesn't that sound crazy? That seems like it doesn't make any sense. Well, but this is the only way to keep people from overwhelming the place. Because you're you're gonna if you have tickets, that means you can only sell a certain amount of tickets. It means Burning Man sells out, right? Yeah, well, like this uh, this service here, the the hospital was paid for by the Burning Man organization. It cost four hundred fifty five thousand dollars for that year. Oh my God, that's insane! <laughs> so that's where that oh, part so of that's where the tickets go. Yeah, oh, that show, key, that makes sense. They show on their website where it all goes. What doesn't make sense though is limiting the number. Does that doesn't that seem illogical? Well, yeah. I mean, if they allowed 150,000 people in, like, that hospital now is fucked. They can't. You know what I mean? They, right. They but they would just have to ramp it up based on how many people buy tickets. As long as you just keep yeah. having tickets, then you'll have more money to spend on more hospitals, and you would just sort of plan it accordingly. But maybe they're trying to, like, slowly develop it where they don't want it to get completely chaotic and out of control, which is what it definitely would do if they had no restrictions whatsoever. Duncan, while you were urinating, we were talking about the restrictions on the population at Burning Man. And then I found that to be a little bit odd. It makes right. sense that they're selling tickets to it, because especially they were, we found out how much it costs for the hospital. Yeah. $425,000 for a year or something. Yeah. Is that what it was? $455,000. $455,000. So, but why wouldn't they just allow more people to buy tickets? Why wouldn't they just keep selling tickets? Well, why would it a, get to a number? My guess would be that, so it's like they have to work out deals with 
Gerlach and like the surrounding areas. And what's Gerlach? Gerlach's the town right before you get to fucking Burning Man that once a year just gets like swamped, this swamped and this wow. huge influx of dough. But like they, uh, yeah, there it is. The Bureau of Land Management. Oh, Bureau of Land Management is um, the same thing that manages uh, public land for like hiking and and fishing and rafting and that kind of shit. Yeah, and they, they so like basically if you look at that you could see that because they have given them this like in, basically it's a shakedown, right? So mm -hmm. like if you want to do this festival you're paying us. Well, would you say that it's a shakedown or they want to control the population because they don't want it getting out of control? Oh no, I I Bureau of Land Management has a reasonable I mean they have a reasonable concern that it could get completely overrun with hippies. And it would be massive well, they, chaos. Well, there, there, there's, there's definitely a reasonable concern. And there's also like, uh, there's also some maybe, I'm, I don't know, perhaps there could be maybe some profiteering happening. But here's my question. Why wouldn't they make more money by allowing more people in? If they really wanted to the profiteer, answer. the move is to just uh, say, I don't think open Burning the fucking numbers. I don't think Burning Man's no, no, profiteering. No. no, I'm not saying Burning Man. You're saying uh, Bureau of Land Management, right? Yeah. Yeah, why wouldn't they just open it up? $81 million. Oh my God! Look I, I, at that. Burning Man's expenses. Oh, thirty. Yeah. Thirty million one hundred eighty-five thousand dollars. Burning Man was once a scrappy little desert gathering. It's become a multifaceted professional operation today. The Burning Man Project produces the nation's largest permanent event on public land, yeah. and supports an extensive global network of events, artists. And civic initiatives. Yeah. Mm, man, he, I can't believe that's so much money. Do you want to hear something even crazy? $30,185,000. What's, what's crazy about it is when you look down, there's no trash on the ground. Yeah. That's what's really nuts about it. What do they call it? They matter a, out of place. Yeah. Moop. Moop. So, like, what they do <laughs> after the festival, they will, like, go from camp to camp looking for where the trash is. And if they find any trash, they like like if someone's let's say broken a, a bottle or something, right? They will bring like a team of eleven people in to sift through the sand to get every single bit of glass out of the fucking sand so that it goes back to being just what it was before. Whoa, an alkaline desert, and um, that's that comes from the cacophonous because one of the cacophonous sayings is leave no trace. So they, the idea is like they go to a place, do their insane thing and then leave. And it's like, they were never there before, Wow, which is pretty trippy to Dude, think. That's so badass. Yeah. It's so badass. It's that's so, amazing. It's so cool. Yeah. You should wonder like this didn't exist 30, 40 years ago. Like what's it going to be like 30, 40 years from now? I don't know. It's hard to say. Well, when people give up the ideas that have sort of imprisoned each generation about keeping up with the Joneses and about belonging to the right country club and about yeah. all, all the things that people strive for. Moving up the corporate ladder, you know, all, yeah. all that stuff. And clinking glasses like you're in a fucking Leonardo DiCaprio movie before yeah. it takes a turn for the worst. Right. <laughs> right? I mean... <laughs> That's really, that's literally what it is before it all starts getting crazy. You're clinking glasses. That's what everybody's hoping for. You know? Oh no, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we're 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 evolving. Everybody's evolving and and we're yeah. we're learning a lot of stuff right now. And like we're like, you know, we're learning a lot of stuff. And part of I think hopefully what we're learning is that certain things cannot be 
commodified, that there's no way to really put a price on certain things. And, you know, a lot of people there, it's not like they're against money or against people making money or anything like that. The idea is, is like, make money. Spend the whole year making money, but then let's fucking ignite it in the form of your amazing sculpture that you brought out into the desert. The other cool thing is, dude, when you're looking at these sculptures, you don't see like a plaque that's like, this was made by Tim French. Follow me at Tim French. <laughs> you know what I mean? No one's, si- no one's signing their fucking work. So like Whoa. you're out there and it's like, you're standing underneath some alchemical, like spherical laser globe that's spinning in a way that the lights make it look like the ground you're standing on is like rotating and shifting. Who made that? Why did they make that? How did they get it out in the desert? How are they fueling this? What the fuck is this? Or like the mat, there's Tesla coils everywhere out there, like just Tesla coils sparking in the fucking middle of the desert. Whoa. Someone got a Tesla coil out to burn it. Like just when you consider <laughs> getting a Tesla coil into the middle of the fucking desert and then setting it up so it works, I think they have videos of it. If you look it up, it's pretty cool looking, man. That, Whoa. That's just sitting out there. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Just one, just one thing, or like dick slides. Giant, what is that giant thing? That guy next to the Tesla coil. I don't know. I didn't what is see he? that. Who knows? He has floating eyes, and what's in his hands? I don't know. Didn't see it. They have dick slides. They have like these slides shaped like dicks that you can ride through, like your sperm getting shot into a pussy. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. They what a, a fucking trippy festival. It's the coolest thing ever, man. They have an entire spectrum of just insanity out there. That thing. Wow. Fuck, look at that. It's pretty amazing. Or the dude. look up the catacombs. Look up the catacombs. These guys made these like crazy pyramids out there. The catacombs 2016 burning, man. You should look up like the burning. Oh, you're not allowed to show it. Well, you can show it, but show you, what? So these guys made these like look at that. Whoa, what is that? They made these fucking pyramids out there, man. With I don't think what? I think that's a drawing. Like, yeah, there it is. Like with wood. Whoa. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. And they do this during the time that they're there, and then they burn it. They they come in early, so they come in like a, a like three weeks early. I, I'm not sure the exact amount of time. They construct this thing, and then they just fucking burn it. They burn those things in the morning at like six a.m. Dude. Yeah, you could see. Look at the dust devils that kicked up next to it. Like. Yeah. Whoa, the dust devils are incredible. Yeah. That's wild, man. The little dust tornadoes just roam through the camps. Yeah. Oh, dude, when these dust storms kick up, it's the most beautiful, insane thing. It's just all of a sudden out of the blue, everything goes from being completely clear to just being completely obscured with this very fine dust, which is why everyone's got LED lights on, because the lights glow through the dust so that you don't run into somebody. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. What a weird choice, though. Why wouldn't they choose to do it somewhere where it's, like, nice? Well, I think the statement they're making is, we can do this in the middle of fucking death. Think of what we can do everywhere else. Do you think they did that on purpose? No, I think it, it, it evolved. Like the, I think that originally the, the idea was the cacophonous had this idea of what's called the zone trip, which is that if you take a group of people and bring them out of their natural habitat and you then something kind of magical happens. And so there's a story of how the first time they went out there, they drew like a line in the sand and they were like, everything after this line is the zone. And like, that's when that was the first burning man is it just was like, they just picked 
a desolate place so they wouldn't get bothered by people because what was happening is um I can't remember his name. I think it's Larry. Will you look up Larry Burning Man Larry? I can't remember his last name. Really? What? Larry, Larry Harvey. Harvey. So what was happening is Larry Harvey was going to the beach. He went to the beach and they just burnt this like uh, effigy of a man, right? They just ignited this effigy at the beach. And Larry Harvey won't say why they did it. It's really cool. They won't everybody wants to know like, "Well, what was the reason behind it?" So like they just went and burnt this effigy out there and then they were doing it like uh, I think a few years in a row, and it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then the somehow the Cacophony Society got involved because it got so big one year, the cops wouldn't let them burn it. And so then they were like, they they ended up scheduling a Cacophonist event, which is with yeah, I've got the flyer on my phone. It's like the burning of the man in the Black Rock Desert. And so they like redid that event. Um, and, and took the Burning Man out there. That was the first Burning Man. And then they started doing it every year, just like they were doing it at the beach in San Francisco, but it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it became like a, it's like, it was a cacophonist event, basically, that spun out of control. And now it's turned into this, I think, what is one of the largest festivals on earth. What, when is it? When does it take place? Labor Day weekend. What's that? I'm not sure. Like the first week in September, last week in August, summer. So it just ended. End of summer. Yeah. So it just ended a few weeks ago. Well, I think you can look it up. I'm not sure the date. I could be totally off on that. I don't know. Well, either way, it doesn't matter. Um, Sounds crazy. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty incredible, man. It's pretty cool. You got to go, man. Go next year. I feel like maybe I do have to go. But when you go, you got to do it right, man. Because, like, the problem is, like, a lot of people, they're like, I mean, you could do it whatever way you want, but there's like. Are you telling people how to do it? I'm going to tell you how to do it. I'll tell you how to not do it. How do you not do it? Well, you heard what happened to the camp, the White Ocean Camp out there, right? What's the White Ocean Camp? So there are these camps called like... Do you know what the White Ocean Camp is? I think that's that story. I don't, I don't want to blow the story. But blow it. Where you they, uh, you want the, the way they cut people's power lines yeah, and shit? Yeah, because it oh, okay. it's like the problem is like... There's like you could be a little too inclusive there. And so you end up like... Part of what's cool about that thing is like... Uh, like this is the thing I saw in an interview with Larry Harvey. He's like, this is a survival situation, mm-hmm. right? So it's tough. It's not easy all the way through. Like you, you got to get out there in a fucking RV. We drove an RV out there, man. Not that that's hard or anything, but it's like when you're driving an RV um, out of Burning Man, it's not easy because it's a eight hour line to get out of Burning Man in the morning in your RV. You're sitting in a fucking RV for eight hours in this massive line of people who are being pulsed out of Burning Man because there's only one road out. So Is this every time you want to leave through any day of Burning Man? It takes no, that long if you leave out? early, you won't have to wait that long. But if you go through the whole festival, it takes that long to get out. And so it, the point is, it's not easy. Right. It's not, it's not necessarily supposed to be easy. Like, it's like part of it's really fucking hard and like really tries you for real. Like, it's like you're going to get, you know, you're, it, it's, tri- it's not easy. Right. So some people think that that like there are people who are kind of subverting the experience a little bit by like flying in on a private jet and then being brought to a place that's already been built for them where they get to kind of like hang out and then that place is like theoretically it's not so easy for people to get in there even though white ocean like one of their one of the things they said was like well we're giving food to people but it's there's an embarrassing 
embarrassing post one of the guys from White Ocean put up, like, what you did to us. And it was like a guy who clearly didn't get the whole point of the thing, which is like... But ser seriously, though, why would they do that instead of just complaining or just talking to them? Like, why would they cut their power? Why would they make their food spoiled? That doesn't seem like a logical choice, right? Like, Dude, there's some people... Do you, you think that it was it a, good is that it they a, did that? Is it a logical choice for me? No. Hell no. Of course not. But, but do you it, think it makes sense to them that they cut the power and they sabotage these people's food? I think that... That's what they did, right? Well, yeah. They fucked up their camp. They like apparently glued their doors shut and stuff, but... That seems contrary to the idea behind the event itself. Well, that's the like, problem. So There's far, no one idea at that event. You're right. hearing my perspective. Okay, I see. Right? My perspective is one thing, but right. that ain't the only fucking perspective, dude. There's like mm. a bunch of people out there who aren't there for love. There's like people who are like, I mean, God, have you seen the gladiator ring they have there where they slam people together who fight or the fucking fisting tent or the- They have like, a fisting tent? Like fisting in the genital fisting? Yeah. They have a tent for that. They have an orgy tent, fisting tent. They have a tent. tent for fisting? Yeah, there's a fisting tent. I didn't go to it, but I heard about it. How would you not go to it if it was there? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. If you build it, they will come. Is it one of those things where the only way in is someone's got to fist you? <laughs> I don't know. Because that would stop me. I didn't go. <laughs> but, or you could fist them. Would you be in a fist in somebody? You know, I just think just to see what it's like. I think I can imagine what it's like. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I like that. Too. That particular thing isn't like it doesn't appeal to me. But uh, I do like the openness of it, and I do like the fact that like eventually, after a bunch of people walking around naked for a week, you stop seeing naked people. And one of the people in my camp, it could be a lie. They say they have something called Acceptable Boner Tuesday, where guys will take fucking Cialis and just walk around with fucking boners. It's crazy, dude. I got my own ideas of it, but like there isn't one idea about it, man. It's right. not like a tame there you go. Orgy dome rules. One couples and morsums? Morsums only. Yeah. Why is that it's morsums? Okay. Two, take off your shoes. Okay, right. one couples and morsums only, meaning that you can't come in there by yourself. Where's your orgy me to fuck? Yeah. You got to bring someone that yeah. other people yeah. want to fuck. Yeah. Take off your shoes. Yes. Use blue towels under you. Ask before you touch. Clean up and throw everything away. Close and zip both doors. Hilarious. Yeah. The orgy dome rules. That's a. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. But it's not shocking. All those people took a photo of the orgy dome. Yeah. They're all. They're like, hey, we fucked. No one, it's like not a big, it really though isn't that big a deal if you think about it. Like we're not, like we make it a big deal. It's not that big a deal. It's a big deal because we would decide it's a big deal, but it's something that everybody does. Like sex is what either everybody does or everybody wants to do. Almost yeah. everybody, except the rare few that are actually asexual. Yeah, it's, right. It's something that everybody does and yet we make it out to be this horrible sin. Yeah, and that's a very, like if you're into sex, definitely that's a great festival for you. Because, Sounds perfect. Yeah, there's a lot of like stuff like that that goes on and everyone's super, like I mean I don't, I, you know, that's the fucking gladiator dome. So what is that made out of? Is that all metal or wood? That's metal, I think. So you can like climb up there and watch as they like slam these people together. So it's like a Mad Max Look, type yeah, thing. It is so they're actually is, fighting? Well, they take these people, put them in these harnesses and these ropes. That they looks like a guy's getting kicked. Yeah. Is he getting kicked? Yeah, he's getting kicked. So they, they swing and they beat the shit out of each other in there? Yeah. Wow, this is bananas. Is there yeah. video of this shit or just yeah, photos? Yeah, there's videos. Go right to that, please.
The battle, de- the Thunderdome. This is real? Yeah, man. Oh my god. What in the fuck? They're hitting each other. Yeah. They're hitting each other with sticks. Yeah. What are those sticks? They're that they foam have? sticks, but oh. you could definitely like kick people. I mean, you're, it definitely doesn't feel good. Whoa, this is nuts, man. Yeah. This is really strange. Yeah. You can hear these people screaming and yelling. Yeah. What a fucking trip. And are there police in this at all? There's this, cops everywhere. Cops everywhere in Burning Man. There's cops. Boom. Oh my god. Who are the cops? What? There's cops like walking around with cop outfits on? There's cops with cop outfits and undercover cops. You so have to the be cops smart. with the cop outfits, what do they do? They just wait for Dude, someone to shoot someone you, they, or beat they, somebody up or they, something? Like so I gotta tell you, man, I was I most of the cops I saw. They seem to be having really funny conversations with people at Burning Man who are just talking to them. Like, wow. some of them are, you know, there are arrests, but like, from what I saw, there, it's not like the, after, I think for a cop, after being at Burning Man for three days, I think their perspective starts changing maybe a little bit because they're in this weirdness just like everybody else. I don't know. Maybe that's naive to say. There's undercover cops there. And people from my camp said one of the things that, they, that people do is uh, they'll go to where there's like a party. Or a rave, and uh, yeah, there you go. Cops on ATVs. Yeah, it's there you go. Up, With yeah. tatties. Yeah. That girl got her tatties out. Yeah, it's pretty funny. They're just like doing that, but like one of the one of the things they do is they go. They'll go to like with monopoly money with like fake money and fake plastic bags and do fake drug deals so that suddenly the undercover cops will come out and then they can then they'll follow the undercover cops you know because yeah it draws them out yeah yeah it's pretty cool they do fake drug deals i don't know if it's true or not that's what i heard with fake money i don't know if that's true i don't know if it's true or not and sounds good let's end on that all right cool you've changed my perspective of burning man good you I'm really glad. Have. That's you good did. to hear, man. I'm glad, cool. I'm glad we talked about it on the podcast because I'm glad we, we stopped the conversation on the phone because you were so adamant about it. I'm like, we got to talk about this. <laughs> I'm glad we did, man. Okay, now I'm super compelled. All right. See you next year. The end. <laughs> cool. <laughs> awesome, man. That was great. That was so fun. That was one of our best.